Hello, hello. How are you doing, Ashley? Girl, it has been a week to say the least, but we here, we making it. We are here. Welcome everyone listening. It is uh, recapping with Delora and Ashley. So this week, we're just going to go ahead into our hot topics. Our first hot topic, uh, it's our reactions to the current election that's going on. Um, We felt like, what a time to be alive, and we should just start off with this topic. So Mm. how are you dealing with the current election Man, I feel like it's the moving target. You know, I, it's, it varies from day to day, hour to hour, as we obviously, uh, for the sake of those listening, are recording now on Thursday. Election day was Tuesday. We still do not have final results as of the time that we're recording this. And my anxiety, Delora, has just been so up and down. I think, you know, Tuesday night, I kind of just tried to find distractions. I was dipping in and out, but I didn't sleep well. Wednesday, we can, we're continuing on. I'm like, okay, I just, I will say this, my three saving graces right now, as far as just really trying to, um, you know, keep my mental and physical health together has been friends and family. So thank you as one of those. Um, television because distraction has been everything <laughs> and, and physical activity I ended up walking four miles yesterday Delora yes. because moving getting out nature um has just been so helpful for me just to keep myself sane because you know as you still I mean, it's such, it's such an important election. I think the gravity and weight of that hits me more at certain times than others. But, Mm -hmm. but no matter what the results are, obviously life has to keep on going. We have to keep on going. Um, I saw a post yesterday that really summed it up. No matter who is president, Jesus is king. And that's just what I've tried to hold close to my heart Amen, uh, sister. over these 48 hours. Um, so, so that's, that's what I have at the moment. How are, how are you doing? How are you feeling? So I have been surprisingly and eerily at peace this whole time. Um, Amen to that. Leading up to uh, the election, specifically on like Sunday and Monday and during Tuesday, at peace and i have um i've <laughs> been spending my time organizing and um home editing <laughs> things uh ever since so like on sunday david and i completely overhauled our our bookshelves mm, for it to be okay. functional like i was looking at my bookshelf one day and i was like you know what I have books all over the place. I don't know, you know, the business books aren't with the business books. My fiction aren't with fiction. So we created Mm -hmm. that system with our bookshelves. Um, On election day in particular, I reorganized my cabinets. Like the most random things, right? Mm -hmm. I will say my saving grace have been like, you know, reorganizing, cleaning, vacuuming, dusting, um watching television your house is going to be spotless we'll say that you can eat (laughs) off these floors i promise (laughs) and then uh tv i started uh watching girlfriends i shouldn't even say rewatch because when it came out i didn't watch it because i mean 
I was really young at the time and my mom didn't watch it. So, you know, I knew the importance of the show, but I didn't know any real plot points, so to speak. But uh, let's just say I started season seven on Saturday. And as of yesterday, I'm officially done with the series. <laughs> oh, nice. So we can get to a recap here soon then. Absolutely. And then yes. lastly, um, junk food. I, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not proud of it. And my face is the best indicator of it because I have, I have broken out on my oh. chin and I know that is direct correlation to Ben and Jerry's strawberry cheesecake ice cream <laughs> and you know today I gave myself a clay um a clay facial and so that's why my, my skin looks amazing right now but the situation down there you better there, toot your own horn girl okay <laughs> I mean do you not see the glow it's not greasy it's, I mean it's you glow. know through zoom I see the glow but I see it every week <laughs> due to that melanin popping so you so you know we're throughout this year as a whole finding healthier ways to cope has Mm -hmm. been like you know the subject of the year as far as I'm concerned absolutely (laughs) absolutely so but I'm glad that we're both still very much healthy Mm -hmm. still very much in our right mind like the church used to say and um I'm just ready I'm just, I'm ready to finalize some things and this being one of them. This is actually, was one of my biggest anxieties of 2020 outside of the pandemic. So here we are. Here we are. I think most people would agree with that, girl. So yeah, let's hope we get a a resolution here soon um, and that, you know, we're able to move on in a positive direction. That's, That's what I'll leave it with from my side. Yes. And Black Twitter as always is the goat it is it has been undefeated <laughs> as far as i'm concerned um we're waiting for i believe five states at this point mm-hmm. and Sounds nevada right. has been getting the bulk of the memes yes the funniest one for me and it had me hollering was nevada and then it was a picture of lauren hill I was <laughs> always late always late yeah I've gotten a bunch from one of my friends today but you know Florida um has also gotten some hilarious (laughs) some hilarious Instagram videos that I will say y'all should find and go check out because that's been also humor we gotta laugh through it baby it's been it's been a wild ride or we will be crying all the time and yeah, so, and and I just said earlier on the call, I said, listen, I'm doing a little bit of both. I think <laughs> you know, <laughs> doing a little bit of both here. So, um, so yeah. So we're gonna go ahead and get into our second hot topic this week. So we've been watching Dancing with the Stars, and one of the stars, Jenny Mai, had to leave the competition this week. She had uh, emergency surgery on her throat it was a life-threatening condition and if she hadn't gotten it uh worked on the doctor says she would have she would have died the next day she only had she only had a day before her throat completely closed up and uh this is really sad and i'm so sad to see her go what what were your thoughts when you saw this news 
I mean, it was definitely unfortunate, especially because we have both followed Jeannie's journey on the show and she's had such a great run. I think she's probably been one of my favorites in terms of some of her performances. Yeah. And, um, you know, obviously we talked about her. Yeah, they, her and Brandon, uh, her uh, pro did a fantastic job. And, you know, we talked about her previously about, you know, the, the situation with her marriage and all of that. But a lot of the things that she discussed on the, the show, I didn't know about her, right? Like, I didn't know her background, her family and how they immigrated mm-hmm. to the mm-hmm. States. And even the fact, just the cute relationship with her mom, her mom was taking bets, <laughs> you know, yeah. about yeah. her staying on the show, you know, just her whole journey. I had enjoyed hearing about. And again, she was just so into it. She was such an excited performer um, in terms of her energy every week. So I'm, I'm definitely sad to hear that her run got cut short. And obviously just her health in general, right? Yes. It's been such a crazy year for health. Um, I was concerned um, when I found out, you know, it was really about her tonsils and the fact that they had gotten so infected yeah. that it was impacting, you know, other parts of her body that that had made it life threatening. Mm-hmm. You know, I've had my tonsils out. I had to get my tonsils out back when I was, uh, I think, 19 or 20. So um, I just wonder, as a part of that, given that I went through that, you know, what warning signs were there or something like that that weren't caught? Because, you know, I just yeah. I just wondered from a health perspective if there was anything else that, you know, fans or viewers should know just in case anyone else could possibly deal with something like that. But obviously, wishing Jeannie a very speedy recovery and hope that all goes well. She seems like she's a trooper showing she the is. footage from her hotel, from her um room uh, at the hospital absolutely and um in her post her instagram post she mentioned what simply started as a sore throat became a dangerous infection that already closed at least 60 percent of her airway and resulted in a throat abscess that spread in a matter of three days so whatever i mean it's not whatever at this point but the sore throat that she thought it just it escalated rapidly super fast (laughs) i'm so glad that she's okay because that's scary i mean extremely right it's one of those things that remind you like if you're not if something feels off go to the doctor go see your healthcare provider because it could be the gravity of it could be more than most people would imagine it would be even if it turns out that nothing is wrong, it's worth the visit. Right. It is so worth the visit because what if it, you know, you get caught up in what ifs, you know, do, (laughs) it's better to do than wonder why. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I'm going to go into a new segment. We're going to call it Microdose. And this is where we're going to talk about a show that occurs weekly and we want to have something to say about it um typically a network show and this week microdose is this is us so big three the big three is back what were your thoughts on this this season premiere oh my goodness so many thoughts so Oh, one of the biggest probably it, that is overshadowing it a little bit for me is um, Justin Hartley, right? Because Girl. given that, <laughs> given that, and I'm starting with the more frivolous before I get into the more um, serious ones that they got into, but given that we both watched Selling Sunset, which is a, a reality um, real estate show on Netflix, and his wife, Rochelle Stouse, who 
throwing back to um, Dancing with the Stars Dancing as a contestant. Um, yes. We got to see um, some unfortunate incidents that seemed to occur based on her perspective uh, surrounding their divorce. And, you know, his character, because he plays Kevin, has al- already always been the more uh, selfish, self-centered, exactly, narcissistic character. So Absolutely. now it just kind of, it kind of overshadows it a little bit for me when I'm watching him. I'm like, but that's who you are in real it's life. It's really though. disappointing <laughs> because you're like, oh, you are him and he is you. Yes. Like, it's like, this is, this is a little hard for me to still feel, you know, because before you could think, you know, this is a character and so you give him graces that you won't necessarily always give somebody in reality if you see them treating someone um in this case in my opinion badly you know yes. his his situation with Chrishell was it seemingly he announced their divorce to her over text and um some subsequent things just seem so insensitive and so um he not only know, announced terrible. it over text but he he did it before like literally 10 minutes before the media found out so exactly to give her the grace to process to find a place to stay or anything i remember when they talked about their paperwork being filed his date for separation was like july or something like that and she's like listen we're still been together it's like november or something along those lines of a timeline so again the whole thing just seemed hyper insensitive and uh i remember reminding me of when jen anson i think said that brad pitt had a sensitivity chip missing with the whole angelina jolie scandal i'm like that's just what that reminds me of right it's just i don't know how you could be so cold to someone who you married and were supposedly in love with but anyway so that's been a part of me really quick is it is awful that I I don't feel the same way about Brad Pitt the way I feel about Kevin. No, I don't. <laughs> think, yeah, I because I, I I mean that's a whole nother tangent we can go yeah. on at some point. But I agree with you. I definitely think the brunt of my feelings for that unfortunately fell at Angelina's feet and. That's not to say that I don't think that the repercussions of what happened, I did not savor some of that with the Brad Pitt, Angelina Jolie messiness of their divorce. I feel like karma is a biatch. But um, back Preach. to back to this is us. Uh, back to this is us. Um, obviously, we're also in the show dealing with the realities we're facing currently, right? They they talk about you know George Floyd's murder. They talk about you know the pandemic and kind of how our favorite characters are dealing with that within this show and. I have I don't always know how to feel about that with art because I feel like a lot of the shows who have come back have really tried to address these things in their universe and at, to a certain degree I, I go into television trying to escape from reality but I also understand why it's important and why they don't want to shy away from it so you know it didn't turn me off to this episode of this is us it was just another factor in like the heaviness and drama that already exists for this show so can I say something really quick absolutely my first impression of the show or the season coming back it was a little bit too close it's a little bit too real for my liking it felt way too real it felt like i was watching a reality situation but with the pearsons because especially with randall because randall is my favorite character especially can we he makes the show i'm sorry to anyone who may be offended by that he deserves all the accolades he has gotten him and of course the father uh but uh 
it was it was very raw because I still feel like I have those emotions like they I was reliving all these things with them and I didn't know how I felt about that because this is us it's so beautifully written Mm -hmm. I mean this episode was dynamic don't get me wrong but just phasing in COVID and the the racial um reckoning that's going on Mm -hmm. in this country Mm -hmm. I just was I because it's happening in real time I'm just curious on how they're able to fold that in and the lasting impacts of their flash forwards and things Mm -hmm. like that so I again love the episode but it was extremely long and that part in particular was a bit heavy for me so yeah they uh, did start out with a this was a two-hour uh season premiere um for them and I agree with you it was definitely tough again I think I think because it's our favorite characters that are really bearing the weight of it in this episode in particular, which is Randall's family. And then yes. that that moment with Chrissy T with uh I'm about to say Chrissy T yes, Chrissy yes. Metz character um outside. And I, I was screaming at the TV like, yeah. I mean, it was yes! just so powerful. <laughs> I remember talking. I remember talking to my mom afterwards, and when he was saying, "You know, look, listen, I just want to go home and be with my wife and kids." He's like, "Listen, I can't deal with y'all white people today." Like, and I'm not (laughs) saying that to be funny. I'm saying for sure, as this black man who was grown up in this white family, I think in that moment he's like, "Listen, I just have to go be around the people who understand from a real level. You can sympathize with me, but you can't empathize with me. I need to go." be with my family that can empathize with and me. the fact that he lived with this family and kevin has always been in my opinion detached he he said so much so in the i mean fireworks fight that happened at the end of last season yeah. um but i mean with kate and I, i'm so glad they went uh, who who are these writers because they are doing the damn thing okay I know because the fact that that they even reference because we know this isn't new so they reference um the incident that happened in the 80s and he was like he was like this is happening this is not new for me and and the fact that he talked about being a young man and processing it by himself and having no one in his household to lean on that is so tough but I again uh randall uh favorite character but his uh his therapist she is queen as far as i'm concerned because she has told him off not told him off but told him about himself uh multiple times and i was here for it every time so (laughs) but but i'm so glad that he had the self-awareness of saying he wants to talk to someone that understands his plight because Mm -hmm. i again when she when she told him about himself when she was like why did why did you pick me Mm -hmm. it's because you have mommy issues (laughs) it's so many words i mean she was definitely phenomenal with just the self-awareness to question him and say am i really the best person suited to help Mm -hmm. you you know Mm -hmm. like to to possibly take that money out of her pocket and care more about her patient that she cares about her livelihood because he is someone who is coming to pay her um just speaks to her level of of care and and integrity that she that her that she was supposed to have which god i hope i get a therapist like that right but can we talk about his conversation with um forgive me uh deja's boyfriend that was when that light that's when that light switch 
flipped up when mm-hmm. he realized he would that ease of conversation yes. when he was like i think you're my best friend now but i you know you're my daughter's boyfriend so we can't do this but that exchange was so cute i, I loved just, it it was probably it was possibly my favorite scene in that whole first two hours i, would I think say. it was the lightest because everything yeah. else was very drama but it was also it was just so again it was just so cute though like it was it was randall at his one of you know i love i love dad joke uh easy hearted randall you know i I know that he has you know his own personal issues he has to deal with but one of the reasons why he's my favorite character he made people that's another thing he made people comfortable yeah in in that in that um, absolutely i don't want to say persona but in that facing because everybody's multifaceted so in that fashion sure and and i don't say and that's why i was kind of going to caveat it to say i mean randall was an imperfect person like everybody but i think his 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 levity or his ability to you know give off some of the greatest parts of his personality even through hardship is one of the things that i love about him and to his point yes he has had to be that light unfortunately sometimes because his family has gone through quite a bit so much um and that's, and that's why his play. possessiveness over rebecca although unhealthy it kind makes of sense. makes sense and then it showed itself when he was like what's her medication none of y'all have done the research i have done but yeah y'all yeah. trying to rip her away from me and i just helped save her life thank you very much don't get me wrong randall i had a complicated relationship with him last season he was off the rails and yeah I, they showed more of his flaws than they had in any previous seasons. This is season five of This Is Us, by the way, for anyone who has not um, been really following along. They're now in season five of the series. The other thing I want to highlight is what his wife had to say and that line when she said, honey, you were born out of tragedy. Mm-hmm. That, Great that tragedy. whole section just blew me away like with the writing and I I think I got misty-eyed in that moment um those Beth and Randall conversations are some of the best writing of the entire show yeah yeah in my opinion and and Rebecca and Jack they have some really important moments but I think I understand what your feelings are when it comes to Randall and Beth because their their conversation is our conversation right so right i can more relate to the relationship of randall and beth than i can not that i don't think jack and rebecca's story and love story is beautiful i think it's absolutely beautiful and milo ventimiglia i have been in love with for a very 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 (laughs) long time girl I, I got into it later in life. Um, again, not some, not a show I super relate to, but I, I found enjoyment in it. And I mean, I could name you a lot of stuff I've enjoyed with Milo. Um, but but overall, though, what did you think of um, of that that cliffhanger that we're going to be left with of Randall's mother and her potentially still being alive? Honestly, the first thought that came to mind is that we're centering Randall again um on the series and i love it when they do that but i hope it's not more of the same just because you know sometimes shows can get lazy like that but i don't think this is us would do that because they know they're going to be ending i think what they said season seven or something they only had oh i didn't hear they had a firm okay oh yeah they're they know they they have a timeline so 
Okay. Well, I, I'll just say my thought on it was, holy shit. And <laughs> that too. Don't, that too. <laughs> don't present this storyline to me if this lady is not still alive. Like, I think Ooh. it left me with so many thoughts about, like, where has she been? Why are we introducing this? I couldn't take if they had another one of his parents show up and then die or yeah. for some reason not work out. Like, we already went through this, right? He already lost his 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 adopted father, then his biological father. Now his, yeah. his adopted mother has... Alzheimer's are you telling me his biological mother's gonna come back and like I just can't honestly I'm hoping that she's probably had other kids had other relationships I I just hope that he catches her in a healthier state oh and uh, I I just realized this just now there's a bit of a a rhythm to this is us where it's like someone's on the search of somebody and you're questioning whether or not they're alive or not so we did that with season one Randall and his father. We did this with uh, Jack's brother in the Vietnam War. Um, And so I I guess what I'm trying to say is I think this is the third time this is happening. You know what I mean? Where it's like someone in the past, are they still alive? You know. Mm -hmm. This episode was also pretty baby heavy, right? Because it's Kevin dealing with the fact that he'll be having twins and then you have Kate and um, her husband dealing with the fact they're going to be adopting a baby. So it's almost like you know, life and death always is ever present in the the world and orbit of This Is Us. So as an overall show, though, I'm still very engaged. I'm looking forward to seeing what they do with this season as hard as certain episodes are to get through. As much as I love bubblegum TV, This Is Us is one of those that I will stick with for the dramatics and for the sometimes teary-eyed moments of like, damn, y'all got me again. I need some, I need a Kleenex. I have been such a loyal This Is Us uh, watcher that literally the day we came home with my baby, it was like she she had only been home for day two and I'm like, oh, This Is Us comes on at nine. <laughs> Girl, you, you do some ride or die moments for these TV and film. At some point, you'll have to tell that story of Black Panther, but let's do that another day. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Ashley. And uh, that ends our hot topics and my micro dose. Now okay. it's time for the recap. Our recap for this week is Emily in Paris, which is a Netflix series. We are only recapping episodes one through five today. So stick with us next week for the remaining six through 10. Um, each episode is 30 minutes. The series was dropped on October 2nd, 2020. A quick summary, Chicago marketing executive Emily Cooper lands a dream job and is hired to provide an American perspective at a marketing firm in Paris. It, the creator and writer of this is Darren Starr, who is most famously known for Sex in the City. Uh, he also has Younger, which is on uh, TV land. Love that show. Yes, I do too. Um, The main cast stars Lily Collins, who is our main character, Emily Cooper. Uh, Lily is also a producer on this project. Impressive. Absolutely. You have Lucas Bravo, who plays Gabriel. You have Ashley Park, who plays Mindy Chin. You have Philippine Leroy Abilu, I believe. Apologies if I mispronounce anyone's name. I did not study French in school. I studied Spanish. <laughs> um, we also have William Abadi Antoine Lambert, 
who play, uh, no, I'm sorry, we have William Abadi who plays Antoine Lambert, read it all together. We have Camille or Kami Rosett who plays Kami. We have Samuel Arnold who plays Julian. We have Bruno Gouri who plays Luke. We have Kate Walsh who plays Madeline. And we have Arnaud Viard who plays Paul Broussard. So looking at the reviews for this show thus far, Delora, um, Rotten Tomatoes at the time that I checked had a 65% critics score, 62% audience score, and yet mm. Google users, there was a 94% of Google users who liked this show. Mm. So fascinating in that from the perspective of a lot of the reviews, things like that, it's sort of a mixed bag. And even people who review-wise did not give it a good score, it seemed like they understood why people loved it, right? I, one of my favorite reviews was from Rolling Stone. And one, obviously, there's a lot of comparisons that people have made between this and Sex in the City. Um, one of my favorite lines in that article was, showrunner Darren Starr put Carrie Bradshaw through more in the opening credits of Sex in the City than he does with his latest leading lady over the course of this entire series. Period. So Period. I think it really, yeah, I think it really speaks to the fact that, you know, one of the criticisms is that this is very frivolous that there's really no um, commentary or moving of culture or anything that's earth shattering about this show, right? Like I always like to call shows like this kind of bubblegum TV. It's the feel good, look good, um, all of the things. And I think he even called it shallow. Um, so, you know, I think that's really the general sentiment e online. They had their staff, one person who said that they loved it, another person who said they didn't. So, I mean, it's just, it's just kind of a mixed bag. Um, but I think the, the overall, the overall sentiment of it again is kind of, you know, whether you like it or don't like it, we understand why people are choosing to watch it. So um, the rating, the rating that I'm giving this show is a B. And the reason why I give it a B is because while it is not earth shattering, while it did not move me really in one way or another, I thoroughly enjoyed <laughs> watching this show because it is right in my wheelhouse of you have uh, some fun, you have some sex, you have some fashion, you have all the things that I enjoy and just a quick binge of a series um, that is, you know, that's, that served its purpose for me. So what, what were your, what was your rating uh, for this series, Laura? So disclaimer, I only watched the first five episodes because I knew we were going to review the first five episodes. Okay. And I wanted to keep my impressions of the show fresh for our audience. And based off what I've seen, <clears throat> I have called, I, I wrote down that it was basic, that it was <laughs> shallow, and I put slash kiddie pool in okay. it. So to hear the Rolling Stone um, review talk about how... Or was it the Rolling Stone? How it was. He, he did more in Sex in the City first episode than he did for in, the opening, in the opening in the opening credits. I see that I feel that one thousand percent. So with that being said, I will rate this show a C plus. 
Okay. And I give it a C plus because I did study French in high school. So I love France. I love French culture, Paris in particular. I've been. been, I am obsessed. I look forward to going again. Um, That is the thing that keeps me. Okay. The fact that she is in (laughs) Paris and that you are surrounded by beautiful architecture Mm -hmm. and the, the, the fashion, the culture, Mm -hmm. but Emily as a main character, based on the first five episodes I've seen, we would not be friends. Mm. She gets on my nerves and I look forward to explaining more after our spoiler alert. (laughs) Okay. All right. I will say that, um, Darren star, some of the, some of the, um, uh, criticisms too was in Emily's age, uh, which, you know, we can get into a little bit. Basically, I think that um, uh, Lily Collins was asked how old her character was. And she said, oh, she's probably like, you know, early 20s, 22. And people are like, that makes no sense. But we can dive into why, as far as where she seemed to be in life, criticism like that may or may not make sense. As mm-hmm. well as Darren Starr kind of saying to the criticism about there being a lot of cliches, like, listen, I want it there to be cliches because we're seeing this through the eyes of someone who is not familiar with this culture. She's Uncultured. never been there. And I have and a lot of thoughts on that. Doesn't speak the language, right? And he's like, that's what I wanted this to be. Season two, if there is a season two, he's saying will be more about, you know, I guess a deeper feel for French culture because then she'll be a resident. But I will say that was uh, some additional thoughts that people had about it in Darren Starr's response. So now that we've given our grades, spoiler alert, spoiler alert, turn it off. If you have not synced it, synced it. Yeah. And I say that personally, synced it. (laughs) Uh, So, so Delora, I know you, you want to give more about kind of your first impressions. I know you love themes. And then I also, because this is a Darren Starr production, we have to talk fashion. So Mm -hmm. give me, give me all the tea, honey. Okay, so I, again, love, I love uh, French culture, grew to love it because I took it in in high school. Um, So as you also mentioned, I had the opportunity to go there. So I have a lot of positive, warm memories in Paris. Mm -hmm. And I felt like, I really wrote this down, Ashley. I I said, (laughs) did they really think they could have a show with just Paris architecture, fabulous style, and and have it make up for a thin plot. That that is a question I wrote. Yeah. Again, only five episodes in. I look forward to seeing some of the conclusions. I am a fan of Mr. Star's work. I love Sex in the City, um, including first movie. We don't speak of the second one. I love <laughs> Younger but i love you so much (laughs) so like again is emily dressed fabulously absolutely is it Mm. a gorgeous show absolutely but i'm i was also a business student and the first thing we learn when we are interacting with people of different cultures is to at least know the basics Mm. I, I, I wrote this in my notes as well. Taught in business to know the rooms you're going into, which includes the culture. Yeah. So in terms of themes, I'm not there yet. Cause I think with five, five episodes in, I, it's like, it, it's very, it is meant to be light. Mm-hmm. And 
and I don't want to sound so critical of it. I just think I don't have a lot of patience for somebody who got promoted and is this act ignorant. I think that's <laughs> where my annoyance comes in. And again, yeah. I know it's a show and I am there for the, for the, the rom-com and the, the fashion. I mean, in a um, never will re- be released podcast, <laughs> we, we recapped Love Guaranteed. And I was gushing all over that movie because it was just the most sappy, syrupy show out there or movie out there. And it had the fall fashion and the love and the good looking people. Mm-hmm. With this show, I'm just, it's a lot of good looking people, but Emily, Emily's working my nerves. Okay. What are your thoughts, Ashley? Yeah. So I, first of all, I love that you only watched the first five episodes so that you can stay fresh because I've watched the whole show. And so I was kept thinking like, Ashley, what did you think when you first watched this? Like, I can't even remember. It's been so long in the world of content, guys. I watch a lot of stuff. Um, So I'm trying to think again, I thoroughly enjoyed it again for what it was for me, right? Like I am a fan, especially in 2020 of bubblegum television. I need things that are mindless that are frivolous, that I do not have to think too much about. So in that vein, it definitely accomplished its job. To your point about some of the annoyances, I absolutely felt them. And I think the reason why I mentioned, especially the Darren Star commentary too, is I think there was an intentionality to some of it that I'm just now understanding now, because I remember thinking before, like, Emily, you're just really privileged and arrogant. And there's a component of that that obviously is felt by the other characters, especially the French characters, um, mm-hmm. as she starts to integrate into this world. And um, that did bother me to a certain extent. But again, because they keep it so light, I didn't dwell on it for long. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's interesting. You liked her fashion. I hated most of her outfits, to be honest. Really? Which I found, which I found you know how much I, I found that so disappointing. I love that yellow dress in the first episode, I think, with the yellow heels. So the only outfits that I can recall that I really loved was um, a shorts um, ensemble where it was like a, a jacket and shorts that were... Um, black and white I think I really enjoyed that outfit and then um, I really liked like a flowery floral dress that she wore otherwise Mindy who is my girl in the show I was gonna say Mindy is my favorite character so far Mindy and Kami I love their fashion looks way more than I loved uh Emily's and I think there was something that Rolling Star article about like it looked like um you know, Claire's threw up on Emily or something like that in terms of like her outfits and especially that skirt that like it could have been it could have been like she was trying really hard whereas French French people and I don't want to sound so you know general but when I was there what I absolutely loved when I was in Paris the food the fashion they had the most they walked everywhere and they had the most amazing shoes it, it was like mind blowing to me. And mm-hmm. I obviously stood out as an American because everyone there was skinny, by the way. So when, when her boss was like, Everybody's fat. Oh, I, no, no. When she was like, Oh, you want to go to lunch? And she's like, Oh, no, I have a cigarette. I am like, That's probably true based off what. Oh. Okay. I think she's talking about in one of the episodes where she meets the 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 head guy and he's like, oh, everybody in Chicago was fat. I was like, Whoa, oh yeah, that was dang. funny. Okay, but it's it wouldn't be surprising. That's I I guess I will say that again. There was a lot of 
generalizations going on in the show a mm-hmm. lot. Yeah. But uh yeah. yeah. And and yeah, to your point again, I haven't been to Paris, so I'm only looking through the lens of someone who has seen it, seen pictures, heard you talk about it. I still have a magnet on my refrigerator from you. Thank you so much. <laughs> so I have a piece of Paris in my house. But you know, it and is I got it from the there, list. not the not the airport. Just FYI, much appreciated. That girl. matters. Okay, much appreciated. <laughs> we ain't been, but we got a piece. Okay. Um, so, so are you ready to dive in? You want to dive Absolutely, in? Absolutely, yes. All right, so let's let's move on to episode one. Again, guys, we're only covering episodes one through five for this first show. So episode one, titled Emily in Paris. We open up in Chicago, Delore, because this is where Emily is living, and we see some kind of beautiful shots of the city. We see mm-hmm. Emily, she's out for a run, so they show some great skyline, downtown, stuff like that. We move on to her being in the office, uh, walking with her boss, Madeline, who's played by the impeccable Kate Walsh love um, her I put a heart next to her name because yes I, well, I know you are Grace. you're a great big Grace fan so Absolutely. you know Kate Walsh um so so in this first scene you know we're seeing um that there's a promotion that Emily's boss Madeline received and she's talking about the fact that she's gonna be moving to Paris because their company has acquired another company there and so and she has a degree in French yeah that was my next line oh, that, sorry, that, sorry, sorry. no you're fine you're fine <laughs> Madeline mentioned she has a master's degree in French so it seems like she's prepared she's excited for this opportunity but then all of a sudden we see Madeline uh smell some perfume that is from one of the clients in France and she gets sick so immediately at least as a woman I'm like she's pregnant right absolutely I watched this again with my mom and my aunt and my aunt was like oh she's pregnant um so cut to next scene we see Emily going to meet her boyfriend Doug at a bar and she makes the announcement that her boss is pregnant and because of this pregnancy Emily now has been asked to take the job for a year in Paris to help with the transition and she's been offered a senior brand manager position when she returns back to Chicago thereafter. Mm -hmm. So this is the first time we're seeing that someone's pointing out to Emily like the, the potential cons of this, right? Which is Emily's boyfriend saying, but you don't even speak French. Uh, Emily, though, seems unfazed by her lack of culture, her lack of uh, knowing the language, and it seems like she is really prepared and hoping to make a long-distance relationship work with her boyfriend, Delora, because she has created a whole spreadsheet for the this good man. good old can-to attitude, right? Yes, like what Americans was, are known for. She was so ready. She was so prepared. Uh, and her boyfriend seemed like at the time he was ready to go along for this ride. So, you know, next scene, we're seeing Emily. She's in a taxi going through the streets of Paris. She has an apartment, a rental that was set up for her through her company. There's oh, no so elevator. I want to go mention ahead. really quick. Absolutely. It wasn't even five minutes in the episode before we were in Paris. So they didn't waste any time. I mean, it's titled Emily in Paris for a reason. They're like, listen, <laughs> we got to get there. Let's get there. That's what this is all about. Um, so uh, Emily, again, as I mentioned, she, she's going to her new apartment in Paris. There's no elevator, of course, but she happens to live on the fifth floor. There was a funny bit about Again, being an American, yes, there are going to be differences between things, they, the way they do things in Europe, the way they do things in America. So there's confusion on her flooring. So yes. she lives on the fifth floor, but it's technically the sixth floor, right? Because the first floor there is considered the ground, ground floor. floor. So the reason why this is important is going to be because she's going to get this mixed up 
a few times and that's really going to become a, a, a thing between her and her neighbor, but I'm getting mm -hmm. there. Mm -hmm. So, you know, as Emily gets taken into her apartment, it's this small room, but of course it has an amazing view, Delora. You open up to mm -hmm. the beautifulness of the city of Paris. This was her first cultural reference, her first movie reference. And I loved it because again, I think that's one of the reasons why I related to this show. She said, I feel mm -hmm. just like Nicole Kidman in Moulin Rouge. So anyone who's seen Moulin Rouge. <laughs> and I thought it was, you're going to think I'm awful. I thought it was basic. <laughs> I mean, your point about it being basic from the view or from her apartment or which from part her you feel is basic? cultural reference. I think she, okay. she, she, she told her boyfriend over the phone. Oh, it reminds me of Ratatouille. Yes, I, I, yeah. I just I was a little we, disappointed that's all yeah we get to those it's like a, a running theme that she talks about a lot of different movies because again she's this American who has never and they don't say how much travel experience Emily has had but you almost think she hasn't had a lot because you, you assume that yes especially with uh international travel exactly so so as she's going through this rental getting settled uh, her rental agent is already hitting on her, Delora. Mm -hmm. She she notes that that or he notes rather that you you may have a boyfriend in Chicago, but you don't want to have you don't have one in Paris yet. So it's yes. just giving you a, a sip of kind of what the attitude is going to potentially be for her. Making French her people real life. sexy, real Girl, sexy. This man did not waste no time. So uh, Emily, the end of the scene is kind of Emily taking a picture of her view in her apartment. And the reason why I mention this is because Instagram and social media is a very important element of this show. Yes. So at this point, we see she only has 48 followers on Instagram, which is incredibly low. Did she just join Instagram yesterday? I was wondering. No, I think she thing. decided to. It, well, my assumption was that start she wanted to, to yes, start okay. a new account to capture her and her Perry adventures. Yes. So again, she started this yesterday. <laughs> Not that I have a lot of Instagram followers, guys. I'm just noting 48 is is new low. I delete um, people who have uh, that low because you uh, think followers. it's a fake account. I you think, think it's, it's a bot. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So um, next, next we're heading to Emily going to the office in Paris where she'll be working. The first person she meets is Julian, who's going to be one of her coworkers, and Emily assumes for some reason that this man can't speak English and she tries to use her phone translator to communicate with him. Next, we meet her new boss, Sylvie. Both realize not only can Emily not speak French, but she is not who they were expecting because again, yes. they were expecting Madeline. Yes. Sylvie mentions that Emily not speaking French is a problem and Emily's yes. response is that she's taking a class. Yes. So uh, it is true. French people do not like Americans who go over there and, you know, just don't even try. Like they actually will help you mm -hmm. if you at least present, you know, present yourself and say, make an effort, make an effort. If you just straight up say, um, do you speak English? They're kind of like, why the F should I? You're in my country. <laughs> Exactly. how we treat everybody else basically exactly and, that, and so you know they say the french people are mean sure but in some respects they take great pride in their culture mm -hmm. and you need and you you have to show effort like you mentioned so that's why i was super annoyed i think <laughs> a 
went when watching this, her throughout, throughout this, this because I'm just like she told her her boyfriend fake it till you make it and I and I just was like it's arrogant and I think I get frustrated because I am I am an American my ancestors are from here uh, you know they're here they were here for many years um but I get frustrated with our culture, American culture, because we act like we are on some isolated island in the middle of the sea. Mm-hmm. When we are, we we share a continent with Canada and Mexico. And that's the one thing that I do find interesting about any other country, frankly, on the, on the planet, whether you're in Europe or Africa, people are, are they know multiple languages fluently yes, and um, they understand their surroundings and the cultures around them. Now, granted, America, we are privileged because it's a big chunk of land that has a bunch of culture, even within our own country. Mm-hmm. However, w- the way we, we operate in international spaces i think seems it's very arrogant and you know you understand why some people kind of like oh americans (laughs) and and obviously it's very much felt and it's very much uh going to be said and spoken and and you know you're gonna feel it in multiple ways throughout this series but it was funny the fact that she when she did try sylvie was like maybe it's best not to try it it was so bad was so bad so So again it's not even just the fact that she doesn't know the language but it's like did you ever you know was this ever even in your mind and Mm -hmm. and again the, the one thing that i do give emily at this point is as someone who is is would have also taken this opportunity and not spoken French, yes, I would have done my best, but this was a fantastic job opportunity. Let's not forget. Yeah. As a person in her position, I would have absolutely taken it too. Would I have handled it differently than how Emily handled it? Yes. Absolutely. And, that, and yes. I think that's the frustration I think I might have had. If I was given that opportunity, I would have picked up all the French books. I would have... I would have, and she was like, oh, the Rosetta Stone on the plane. Right. It hasn't synced in yet. It hasn't like, synced in yet. Girl, this ain't funny. This ain't cute. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Oh, you're fine. You're fine. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a real reaction, right? And again, but, I think- But yes, that's the one thing I did appreciate. Oh, to your point, though. I appreciate her ambition. I, I appreciate her willing to, um, you know, try new things. Mm-hmm. I just think she did the bare minimum, which to me doesn't really correlate with her level of ambition. Like- yeah, I think there's to a certain extent, and we'll we'll keep going with this in just a second. I think to a certain extent to her idea that I'm supposed to be going here to give an American perspective made her arrogance worse because had it been, listen, you need to go to France and you need to ingratiate yourself into French culture, which either way she should be attempting to do because the best way to get to know these people is obviously to understand them, to learn I mean, about it's them. It's already a, totally a merger. People are extremely resistant to change, especially after mergers because they fear that their jobs are on the line and it doesn't help. And that, they are. You know, they yeah, are. Frankly, they are. And, you know, let's keep it 1000. You know, Sylvie might have felt intimidated because it's some young quote unquote girl coming in telling her what to do. It's like, and ageism no. is a running theme in their relationship, which we we can talk about, especially as the series goes on, is they're kind of pitted against each other to a certain extent, not just in professional capacity, but in uh, personal capacity. Um, so I think, I think great points that you made. Um, 
moving on just a little bit, um, Emily meets Paul Broussard, who is the founder of the company that her company is taking over, Savoir. And he mentions that Emily's experience, which again, guys, lends to our, me, and, me and Dolores' discussion about you know, her credentials and her taking on this role, her experience isn't even in fashion and luxury brands that they're that's what they're about it's in promoting pharmaceuticals <laughs> and geriatric care facilities so mr Broussard basically mentions yeah i've been to chicago once i had the deep dish pizza which was disgusting and she's like oh yes people, we take great pride in it girl she he called people <laughs> fat and he and she, emily mentions oh you must have gone to lou monati's well, Laura, I don't know if you saw, the owner of that restaurant was not happy in real life about that mention. That is a real restaurant. Oh, wow. That no, story blew up. They mentioned it in articles from The Hollywood Reporter to Variety. The owner of that restaurant called it heartless and not oh. humorous in the midst of COVID-19. Oh. So do you think that the writer should have gone with a fake restaurant? in that case so the thing that i do love about darren star's shows is they're really really up to the moment culturally like they like to talk about things that are happening in real time and they're really good at highlighting or shouting out real restaurants real designers real people like that's a runny thing so how would they uh, i i don't know I don't well, know. Maybe I, this is one of those scenes where they should have had her usual can-do, upbeat attitude, give positive reviews versus negative. Just, well, she did. She did. She was like, oh, you must have tried here. This is our, the pride of Chicago. Well, she says that before. She says that deep yes. pizza is the pride. Yes. But then when he says that it was disgusting, she said, oh, you must have had this as in their oh, pizza that's is right. disgusting. That's yeah. right. She oh, agrees. She yeah. agrees with that, which is why the owner was so upset. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. That's interesting. I actually for, uh, forgot about the flow of that. So thanks for explaining that. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, but to your point, I love the fact that you're saying that it's a staple in the way that Darren Starr likes to do his writing and his productions that he yes. wants to use real examples. Again, I just think maybe that's one of those that was a hit and miss. Uh, to especially to consider, especially this time in our country and the tone, you really mm -hmm. don't want to try to go after businesses because especially, um, you know, it's just a struggle. So it is. He's probably more sensitive. Stimulus or anything. Yeah, like he's you probably a little more sensitive than he possibly would have been otherwise. But Under normal, normal circumstances. Yeah. So yeah, I just want to talk about that a little bit. So we can move on to the meeting you were already kind of talking about with the department heads where Emily's introducing herself. She discusses the fact that she's here to present the American perspective and social media strategies. One person immediately gets up and walks out to Laura because why? She does not speak English. Again, ding, Emily ding, has ding. come here not speaking French and you expect for the staff to be able to understand you. You assume that these French people can speak English or at least you can use your little phone translator. Anyway, she so happens to be the one in charge of social media, Patricia, of course, <laughs> is what I wrote down. Of course. Who, who is impeccably dressed, by the way. Oh, I loved everything about most of the fashion of the staff, except for Julian's white belt. I was very upset about that, but that's neither here nor there. So at this point, it was Delora, a choice. It was, it, was, choice. it was absolutely a choice. And do your thing, <laughs> sir. Just know I'm not in favor of white belts, especially on men. 
Anyway, so at this point, we realize this staff is not impressed with her. Nope. Um, uh, although, you know, Sylvie kind of talks to Mr. Broussard about the fact this was a uh, terms of the sale, it seems apparent immediately that Sylvie wants to ensure that Emily will not be sticking around for very long in the Paris office. It almost seems like she takes pleasure in it, too. Like, oh, yeah. she won't be here for long. She seems <laughs> like she was a little opposed to it, possibly from the jump, but Emily has made it even more so. Yeah. So next scene you already referenced, which is more film references. Emily's talking to her boyfriend, talking about on a video call that France looks like Ratatouille. Um, it seems that even though this first day may not have gone in Emily's favor very well, she's remaining positive. She admits it wasn't the best. Um, but, you know, again, keeping keeping her Emily ways and her boyfriend... And I'd like oh, to inject me, really oh go ahead sorry I was gonna say let me and then I'll let me mm-hmm. do this one her boyfriend at this point is intending to come to Paris he has his passport mm-hmm. and he's saying I'll be there soon so go ahead Laura so again I don't mind a, a great pop culture reference I think my frustration with her is that she is just leaning solely on that in this business setting again I my experience with going to Paris was going to work okay. <laughs> and it was a work That's experience right. I totally forgot that and, you went for work. and I remember my preparation for this so maybe that's why I'm giving her a hard time but um again we love pop culture this is a pop culture podcast so yes. obviously I appreciate pop culture references it's just that I felt like they were basic because it just seemed like she didn't do any other work <laughs> yeah sit down I forgot how closely your experiences matched I forgot that was a business trip I wish I'd stay there for a year girl, girl. <laughs> I totally forgot oh man Delorean Paris coming at y'all soon anyway yes. and so we we're moving on so when Emily gets back to her apartment that mix-up in flooring I talked about causes her to try and enter the wrong one we meet mm-hmm. Gabriel the mm-hmm. meet cute how did you feel about gabriel at first sight and introduction um he's a french dude good looking french dude who you know immediately that there's going to be something going on Mm -hmm. so um that's about it i mean he's like and 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 with this this error of her understanding what ground floors are and uh I, I was like, obviously, this will be happening multiple times. <laughs> obviously, right? Show. She seems compelled to think that she should not adapt again to French ways, that this is ass backwards and they should be adapting to American ways. Um, yet I again, just, I'm always, I'm just always surprised by people's audacity that that i guess ooh, that's just how my mom, that's how my mama raised me i guess i don't know it's like yeah. respect culture i, I think mean, that is very valid delora i think that's very valid i think that's human very human of you uh she gives another <laughs> pop you, culture of course <laughs> she gives another pop culture reference when she meets him saying when he says he's from normandy oh saving private ryan yes day yep. like Okay, we're we're going we're we're hitting these things heavy. Okay, anyway, and of course he didn't know, which he shouldn't. He didn't have to. Yeah, he's like, I don't watch the <laughs> movies. What are you talking about? Um, so the next day, Emily is is early for work. Delora, her office does not open until ten thirty in the morning. She's there two hours early. Her boss Sylvie doesn't get there till eleven fifteen. I literally put in parentheses my kind of office because. <laughs> 
and and again europe european culture especially french yes. culture i should say they're very very lax on that i'm and like I that's why i need to work it. over there <laughs> i love it and my friends now talk about me because of i work a little bit later than most and it get i get my full life off of my sleep okay um but again it's supposed to show a cultural difference right so yes. um emily comes in hot in the office she's ready to again start. you learn this in talk. business school fyi <laughs> emily take notes uh emily comes in hot this day she she's ready to get started so she tries to go talk to patricia who again runs social media patricia literally gets up and runs from emily uh she tries to ask her co-workers tries to ask sylvie julian luke to lunch, they all make excuses. To your point, Sylvie says, I'm just gonna smoke a cigarette. Mm -hmm. uh, they all kind of make up stuff. So, you know, our little Emily has to go out to a park and eat alone, Delora. But she meets Mindy Chin, Mindy. your favorite character, yes. my favorite character. Yes. At this point, we realize Mindy can speak three languages Boss. English, French, and Mandarin. And yes. Boss. Emily, can, by comparison, only speaks English. So in their exchange, we find out that Mindy's from Shanghai. She's been living in Paris for almost a year. She's a nanny. Um, she throws a little bit of shade, I wrote down, about Emily looking like she's from Indiana. Oh, Lord. Yes. And I caught that immediately. <laughs> yes, it was that pretty was much like her. Though. It was like, it was a... Um, very polite but disguised way of saying oh you live in farm country somewhere <laughs> and and to your or words earlier you look a little basic she said you look like the girls in indianapolis nice you know it's like girl that was some shade honey that was some shade but it was absolutely shade but i assume her parents have money by the way well, they, they absolutely, you talking about Mindy's parents or? Uh, oh, yes. Emily's yeah, Mindy's parents. parents. Oh, yeah. Mindy's yes. parents absolutely do, right? And we're, we're definitely going to get to that. But the fact that this shade was thrown did not deter the budding of a friendship, right? Mm -hmm. You know, Mindy's kind of the first person Emily's able to, to talk to, get some advice from. Mindy mentions, you know, French people are mean to your face. <laughs> and she just says, you know, if you're ever feeling lonely, which obviously, you know, Emily doesn't have, know anybody there, um, mm -hmm. give me a call and we'll have dinner. So, you know, it was a nice exchange. And again, I just felt like everything in here is a reference to differences in culture because you have, you have Mindy who, again, speaks three languages, speaks about her experiences. You know, she, how did she, why did she go to middle school in Indianapolis? No idea, but she's no, from random. Shanghai. Her mother yes. is from Korea. Korea. Like she yeah. speaks to all these various things that seem like she has a very a much richer experience than Emily probably has at this point. In and time. I mean, much richer than I mean, frankly, being a nanny for French kids to teach the Mandarin seems like it's just something that she's doing in the meantime. Like she absolutely does not have to do that. So right, because she seems posh. Again, absolutely. Mindy is it her and Kami, who we'll meet in a uh, next couple episodes. They have impeccable style for me, right? Like they look like they mm -hmm. fit in. Well, Kami is from France, but the the way they dress is the way I imagine. You know, the way the <laughs> Emily dress is was not. It was not for me. But um, but but we we go I back. She to, was cute. She was just like a Carrie Bradshaw, like just uh, mini me. Yeah, uh, maybe maybe for me, and and I can say this about Sex in the City. As much as I love Sex in the City, I did not love the fashion on Sex in the City. Really, and I think part of that is because I am not a high fashion 
person. Mm, I like that very, explains a lot. <laughs> yes, I like very put together, tailored looks. I like when clothes fit. Mm, I like when people mm-hmm. wear them well. But I don't necessarily need a designer or a label to think mm. that something is cute. Actually, most of and the stuff that ends up on a that. runway, I think is yeah. trash. So, uh, well, it's an it's okay when it comes to high fashion. Essentially, it's art for the body and granted they only like to they only like to create art for really skinny women who we call models i think it actually takes great talent to design for a full figure woman and i believe that even before i became one so okay (laughs) um but I, I just think it's, it's just fashion. It's art, it's expression, it's history. It's bringing things back. I, I, don't, I have appreciation for it. I love it. So I mean, I definitely have an appreciation. I just don't necessarily always love certain things that are worn because I think that certain things may be art and look great in that capacity. But does that mean you need to wear that shit? No. Like some of Emily's outfits truly were trash. And I'm like, I just can't, I can't get past it. And I, doing a little shade I when you said it, it explains so much that I don't like high fashion. Was that a little bit of shade? No, no. Because there's a lot of people, because it's like some people don't like abstract art and other people's do. You know what I mean? Like, no. And no. to your point, I don't. But no, I didn't realize. Things. But for me, I love fashion. I've always studied. You know, I didn't study it, but I have a great appreciation for it. I follow it. I, I follow designers. I follow stylists. And mm-hmm. so for me, uh, you know, I'm in it more often than not. Like, you know, I me mean? in terms of you no know, having some type of reference to you know, whatever's going on. So, because I, I know a lot of people who don't like high fashion. So that's why I'm saying it explains because it's like, if you if you don't like it, you don't you don't follow it, and I follow it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. Heavily, I get it. Um, so moving on to Emily gets back from her lunch with Mindy, and outside of her office, she sees the staff having lunch without her. And Oof, that, that would hurt. That, that would suck. Oh, I, that would that suck. that was hurtful. And not only that, Delora, when they get back in, both Sylvie and Julian call her Laplouk which means, as Emily has to look up, the hick. Julian Ouch. tried to downplay it in terms of like, oh, it's just, you know, it's, it's like a term of endearment type of thing. My thought at this point was that they may not like Emily, and I don't know if I liked Emily at this point or mm-hmm. want her at the office, but for me, name-calling was very unprofessional. Absolutely. And I thought it was too far. Like, I'm not a fan of bullying, and I think the worst type of bullying is when it's a group setting. Um, so what were your thoughts at this point about the engagement with her coworkers and about her trying to integrate into this office? It was expected. Again, they're going through a merger. She's, uh, you know, the home headquarters, you know, liaison, so to speak. So there's go there, there was bound to be some resistance or I was trying to do the French version. I'm not even going to try to do that right now. Um, (laughs) So I, you know, I did feel sorry for her um, Mm -hmm. seeing how they just did not want to give her the time of day. Mm -hmm. And I also, it's typical again of Dan Starr or just this genre in, in general, you essentially have to prove yourself. You're not automatically welcomed with open arms just because you're there. You have to prove your, your worth. For and sure. then, then, you know, you can have a conversation on hanging out, you know, 
Yeah. Again, I, I don't have any problem with them not wanting to have lunch or not wanting to be friends or so, but again, I think they took it a little bit too far for me in the way that they, um, it's kind of started to feel like a bullying situation. So I didn't, I didn't appreciate that. Absolutely. Um, but, but we do cut to the fact that in the next scene, Luke is going to be the first person in the office to really show Emily some kindness. Um, he mm-hmm. comes and sits with Emily outside of a cafe mm-hmm. and he apologizes for the nickname, um, again, going back to Instagram, we see, you know, Emily has been kind of taking pictures throughout her experiences. She now has 230 followers on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, and during the midst of this conversation, you know, you kind of get an idea of where Luke and the rest of the French staff are coming from, right? Because he mentions, you know, everybody's afraid of Emily because her ideas are newer, maybe better, maybe they need to work harder and make mm-hmm. more money. Mm-hmm. And again, you get the American because perspective. That's, that's the American the way, you know. Right. We, <laughs> you, you can say it. I, I go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was just gonna say he mentions, you know, the the phrase of Americans live to work and the French work to live, live. which I think is very Absolutely. European, right? You know, and yep. in, in, in Europe, you know, they take siestas and you know, yep. as Emily says later, I can be gone for three hours for lunch and nobody misses. Me. I was gonna say they take long lunches. Yes. Long, amazing lunches. That's one thing that I did um, was the most eye-opening when I had the chance to go to Paris. They are serious about their food, meaning your largest meal of the day is lunch because Mm -hmm. after breakfast, nothing is open. Right. Because they they shut down. They shut down until Mm -hmm. they have lunch. And then they shut down again until like eight o'clock. Yes. And, and the reason then, why I know this again, to your point, I have not been to Paris, but I have been to, to Spain. So yes. that's the reason why I'm familiar with the way that they kind of do everything. And the fact that everything that you put in your mouth, not to be weird or sexual about it, is delicious. It is so freaking good. Like, yeah. I mean, and, and I don't want to, everything is political. Anyway, they're very strict on their food guidelines. So their food, it's like really clean. <laughs> like, and I so say this. You say like, this to say they actually care about their people. <laughs> <laughs> you know? But when I travel, I'm always concerned about what I'm eating and, you know, not wanting to mess up my stomach or anything like that. Mm-hmm. I ate bread. I drank wine and I had cheese and butter to the my heart's content and my stomach <laughs> was fine and I was so <laughs> impressed because they have such strict guidelines on you know their wines and their food that everything was like very clean and and delicious it was like whoa yeah who knew who, who knew, knew? They, they're not trying to kill everybody. I think that first came to my attention when I realized the ingredients in McDonald's is different depending on what country Girl. you're in. And I'm like, that is deeply disturbing, right? They say that they put the, in, the active ingredients of Play-Doh in McDonald's chicken nuggets here. I'm like, this is a problem. Y'all do not care about us. Y'all do not love us. And yeah, the McDonald's in Paris, I was just like, what they had like a bakery with like Chris I mean obviously it was cultural but they were baking in the back they were it wasn't nothing popped in the microwave like and so really quick earlier this episode she had her first um (laughs) her first chocolate croissant that experience is very real I remember the first time I had one with an apple it was like an apple tart Mm -hmm. 
I was like, I need more of these. Where are these? What? What? What is this? What? I need what? What? Yeah. That milk in it your mouth. That good, and I'm not even exaggerating. Although I have I had some friends it. who've gone to Paris and they said the food was disgusting. I'm like, I don't know where y'all went, but uh, right. <laughs> we went to some really good places when I was there. And I mean, to each their own. Again, when I went, when I've been to Europe and I went to Spain, everything that I ate was amazing to me. So if you get a chance to go visit Europe, let us know your thoughts. But yes. um, uh, to continue on with kind of their their discussion, um, he also mentioned, or they also mentioned in the midst of it, success to her is punishment to him. Emily mm. says work makes her happy. And he says, maybe you don't know what it is to be happy. That was a read as Emily, far as I'm concerned. <laughs> no, for sure. Because Emily says, well, you know, I consider that to be arrogant. He was like, listen, you came to Paris without knowing any French. So well, who's really arrogant in this situation? And, and she will, says, she says, well, well, maybe that's more ignorant than arrogant. So this conversation was so illuminating in the fact that, again, you realize from our perspective, at least me and your perspective as viewers, we are thinking Emily is arrogant and she sees it as like, I just don't know any better. What were you going to say, Delora? Oh, I will say Emily has been, um, she gets a good telling off a couple of times in the show, which was greatly appreciated. And I thought <laughs> was, um, you know, a relief. <laughs> And this was one of the first ones. <laughs> it was, that, but again, in, in a very Luke, in a very Luke way, which again, I appreciated yeah. Luke and I appreciated that, that olive branch that he so gives So I'm assuming Emily. I'm going to like him more in the series because again, only up to five, episode five. I mean, I just think he's one of those people that, that keeps it, that keeps it a little lighter, right? Because he's not an antagonist to Emily. You know, he's one of the first people who embraces her. So from that perspective, I just appreciated it because again, I didn't like that everybody was kind of ganging up on her. So that's just my perspective. Mm -hmm. um, so so the, the, the episode ends with, um, Emily and her boyfriend Doug attempting phone sex, different time zones, different, you know, uh, strategies for trying to make this situation work. Um, it is not successful. Mm -hmm. The episode ends with Emily causing a power outage in her whole building, trying to plug in her vibrator. So, uh, you know, very, very fun, very light, very funny. So I'm going to keep attempting to to, to say these titles again, Delora, I did not take friends. So if you need to correct me, please feel free. So moving on to episode two, masculine feminine. Did I say that right? It sounds good to me. Okay. So again, we left off with Emily trying to make long distance work with Doug. This episode, the same as we did with episode one, it starts with Emily going for a run, but this time it's through the beautiful scenery of the Parisian streets. Mm -hmm. She's listening to French, again, seemingly trying to embrace the culture. Um, but yet again, she gets flooring mixed up as soon as she gets back to her apartment. And Gabriel has to answer his door again to let her know she's at the wrong spot. They flirt. <clears throat> she tells, he tells her she can bang on his door anytime. Are we still filming Gabriel? <laughs> I'm sorry, yeah. Gabrielle. I'm saying his name wrong. Gabrielle. Uh, yeah, of course. But I will say this: um, in their culture, they don't they don't exude themselves the way Americans do when we work 
Like, so he was like, what? What's so them five this? mile runs that she was taking every day? Yes, no. Would not be, they no. would not be about that life. But they walk everywhere. And again, they eat, they eat their largest meals at lunch. And, you know, all that, all that helps with uh, them maintaining amazing shape <laughs> as a culture. And, and I'm all about that. I always say I don't run unless chased. So I'm all about a good walk. Okay. Um, yes. So, you know, yet again, Emily is going to head to work. She accidentally steps in dog shit as she's trying to do so in those white boots, whatever. Um, she attempts to take a picture of the owner of the dog. And we realize that since this morning, Emily's followers have exploded. She mm. had 230 because she took a picture of a statue. And at this point now, Dolores, she has over a thousand. She has 1,435. Do wow. you feel like at this point, because that's something that was a little bit of a criticism, do you feel like the Emily's post would draw such a large Instagram following? Because I think people saw it as very basic as far as what she was posting and in terms of her engagement. Um, it's absolutely basic. No, it wouldn't happen to a regular person. <laughs> Not at all. Okay. So but this is, isn't, no, it's at the end of this episode, right? Where, yeah, she gets yep. way yep. more. Yeah. So when she gets to work after this scene, Julian yet again calls her La Plouque. She uses her phone to tell him to go fuck yourself in French. Yeah. Which Julian seemed to enjoy the sassiness saying, I think I like you. Yeah, I put people in my like notes, that. I put in my notes again, where's the professionalism? Am I being too American? Ah, <laughs> that's so funny. Um... I don't know. I don't know. That I cannot speak to. But I, um, you know, in order to get a bully off your back, you got to push back. And I appreciate, I, I did appreciate that about her. Yeah, she did. She took, she took it in stride, but at the same time, it was like, y'all are not going to uh, roll over me, um, seem roll over me rather in this scenario. So um, she tries again with Sylvie. She goes to her office to discuss ideas for marketing a new product. Sylvie mentions at this point that they have different approaches. Emily has no mystery. Granted, at this point, Emily can't even properly say the product's name and call the marketing campaign weak. Yes. But, but I love that part. She was like, she was shading the mess out of her, though. She was like... She's like, mystery instead of obvious. <laughs> She's yes. like, you're trying to open doors. I like to keep them close. <laughs> yes, because, because again, what she's saying is that the clientele they work with are luxury. So in the yes. luxury sector, it's all about maintaining a level of mystery, not having everything Absolutely. be so accessible, right? We're not Walmart. We're not Target. That is not our aim. So I think she made a valid point. But again, you, you wonder how much of what Sylvie's saying is because it's, it's how she genuinely feels versus her mm -hmm. just having personal issue with Emily. Absolutely. Right? So, Absolutely. Taking pride in being opposite of whatever she is. <laughs> exactly. But, but Delora, at the end of this exchange, Sylvie still invites her to a party that night for the launch of this new product. Mm -hmm. um, Delora. Uh, mm -hmm. as I wrote. So at the party, <laughs> at the party, Emily seems to make a series of faux pas immediately. Mm -hmm. First, Sylvie scolds her for eating. She says, why don't you have a cigarette yet again? <laughs> 
then when she meets the owner of the account, which is Antoine and his mm -hmm. wife, Catherine, mm -hmm. she calls his nose symmetrical when Mr. Broussard mentions best nose, which means perfumer, because that is yes. his, that's his business. He's a composer of scents. Lastly, she launches into too much work talk when Antoine asks her about her American perspective on his product and perfume. What is she saying? His wife asks after her spiel. We so don't funny. talk about work at a party, Sylvie said. Did you feel like this was just, again, Emily not understanding the culture and not embracing the culture? Or did you feel like this is something that even if you did, you may have stumbled a little bit going to this soiree? I think I would have stumbled just a little bit, especially on the business front, um, because I I do think the American side of me would have made my elevator pitch regardless, right? Mm -hmm. um, she laid asked. it on. A, she she did lay it on a little thick though. So. As she mentioned, though, like he asked, like what do yeah. you what would you have me do? I don't know if he asked me that I'm not supposed to say how I feel. Yeah, I do feel like she uses her youth and inexperience to her advantage. I feel like that's a strategy. Absolutely. Okay. Um, okay. Interesting. But, but I don't know. I, I, I think I think she didn't mess up. I, I wasn't as annoyed with her during this dinner party. I, again, I think the most annoyance I had at this point <laughs> was is like, okay, know the room. Know the room. Just in room. general, in general, just, just figure out who's going to be there. And not to say, you know, you walk up right up to them and act like you don't know them necessarily. But if his, if this name comes up, it was his party. So why wouldn't you know the product, the owner? You understand what I'm trying to say here? Yeah. Yeah. I understand. So, so again, it seems like Emily's making some faux pas though, but, but Antoine seems quite intrigued because, because in she's cute scene, and the next scene that you know he 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 kind of speaks to her alone he he tells her to try on the product tells her that it suits her he said wearing perfume is like wearing beautiful lingerie mm -hmm. um Empowering. emily says emily says a line she said earlier to to her boss madeline which is that it's like wearing poetry mm -hmm. and yet again he's encouraging her to find a french boyfriend he said the best way to learn the language delora is in bed, honey. <sighs> he, he, he mentioned, uh, she mentions that, you know, she's, she has a boyfriend. She literally mm -hmm. says she's engaged to be engaged. And I wrote in parentheses, is that a thing? No, it's not. Being engaged to be engaged. Okay. And when you are engaged, there needs to be a ring. I said Absolutely. it. Absolutely. I said it. Absolutely. Antoine, you kind of see he uh, he's flirting. He's lingering at her neck. Very he says, much. He says the perfume smells like expensive sex to him. Yes. I actually put that down. I'm like, poetry girl. versus expensive sex. Girl, she said, what's better than a cheap date? He says he looks forward to working with and getting to know her. And then we cut to Sylvie is watching this exchange. We don't yet know why. Nope. So we both, it seems like we're at the point where we realize this, this man, a client is actively flirting with, with our, with Emily mm -hmm. and wondering where the scenario is going to go. So the next scene, the next day at the office, Julian is now calling Emily by her name after her go fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Roussard commends Emily for a successful party and mentions that Antoine was impressed and wants her to work now on this account. 
But Sylvie comes by and kind of derails this, Dolores. She feels that Emily should work on a female hygiene product, which is suppositories to promote <laughs> vaginal wetness in yes. older women, vajajon, and claims. So, so the way Sylvie always kind of positions things, which to her credit is brilliant, she does position them in a way that makes sense for from a company perspective. Yet again, she mm -hmm. says, well, Emily, I think Emily should work on this product because she has experience. It's, it matches her experience. She has experience in pharmaceuticals. Yes. Even though you you always feel like Emily, you always feel like Sylvie has a hidden agenda behind it was why so she's obvious, trying. Though. Yeah. Yes. But you yes, know, it's she just did. like you you position it brilliantly. Well, Sylvie. Emily does the same thing too. She gets in, um, you know, pushed in a corner. She finds her way out of it seamlessly. Which every gets time on my too. then you talk about something that got on my nerves a little bit. That got on my nerves a little bit. To the credit of television, that is a very television centric thing that everything always works out in your favor, right? You mm -hmm. always have brilliant ideas. Mm -hmm. But but Mr. Broussard does agree with Sylvia in this case and says, yeah, let's start with the, the necessities, then we'll move you over to the luxuries. I love in this scene that he called it the weather <laughs> inside the vagina i have that written down <laughs> oh my gosh the yes. weather inside the vagina that's so, so funny it was hilarious so sylvie mentions comes back after mr broussard leaves and says she felt emily was too friendly with antoine and that he also seemed friendly with her she mm -hmm. asked she asked if emily is attracted to him she, sylvie mentions oh he has a wife uh his wife is very nice she's a good friend but then Delora, in the very next breath, Julian comes to Emily and warns and says, listen, Sylvie is Antoine's mistress. Were you surprised or was this obvious in the previous scenarios that we saw? Was this obvious to you or was this like, oh, light bulb? So it was not obvious for me at the dinner party. However, the way she was acting the next day at the office, even you know pushing her off the account now pushing her off the account could have happened because of one of two two reasons one again emily's new to the office you essentially want her to do the less desirable projects first right mm -hmm. because no one else wants them so give them give them to the new girl and then of course two she didn't like the interaction that she saw between Emily and Antoine. And she's just like, let me let this ice down a little bit because it was a little too hot for my liking. Mm. And so when you find out that she is indeed the mistress, I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> oh, you're, you know, you, you need, you're, you're, your, your tells are quite obvious at this point in terms of um, your motive, her, her motives at the time ma'am you're fucking a client like i had so many that thoughts too. That too. i had I, so many thoughts right i actually was like, more caught up on the fact that um she was knowingly his mistress you know oh absolutely in terms of the dynamics so obviously we can move on to the next scene which is which is emily went ahead and asked mindy to go to dinner and mindy really breaks down mistress etiquette for her yes. in terms of how yes. people in France see it. So she tells her the situation is probably known and approved between Antoine, his wife, and Sylvie, and mm -hmm. that it's more tolerated than discussed. Yes. So 
you know, to your point, obviously, in America, usually we see it as adultery. We usually see it as a no-no. There's, there could be violence. There could be craziness that ensues because of this. But yes. they allude to the fact that in France, it is more um, understandable, not only understandable, but, you know, really um, a societal, um, not expectation, but it's, it's societally accepted in a different way. Yes, yes. Honestly, it goes back, way back. There was a king. Actually, there was a, I forget the king, but anyway, there was a king. He fell in love with an older woman and she was the mistress, but she came, she became a wife. It was like a whole thing. And honestly, I almost wonder if they were playing, playing up to that, but she managed to be his number one focus, even after she got older and wasn't able to bear him any kids or something crazy like that. So um you know there's a lot of um stories over there that plays into that that notion and I feel like I had always kind of heard this about French culture that you know they they don't have necessarily a problem with affairs and you know love is a little more fluid than Mm -hmm. in American culture in terms of the acceptance of some of those things but again but because the way French people say pleasure just seems very naughty to me. Like, <laughs> well, like, I think that's oh, intentional. Yeah. Girl, like, I think that is quite okay. intentional, right? Like what? sex, sex, the way they played it in the show, sex seems like it is available at potentially all times, <laughs> which I cannot say I'm even remotely mad about, but it's just like, oh man, y'all are at a different level of freedom uh, <laughs> than, than I necessarily would be in my marriage, right? But but at this at this dinner that that Emily goes to with Mindy, you know, we get to still learn more about Mindy, which is that she came to Paris for business school under her father's direction at first. She called him the zipper king of China. Yes. It was his dream for Mindy to take over the family business, but she decided to drop out of school. Her dad cut her off financially. So that's why she's a nanny. So again, she is rich, mm-hmm. which is to our sentiment earlier. She didn't look like she was just somebody's nanny, Mm-mm. but she said she would much rather have her freedom instead of a predictable life. So do you feel like this was given a little bit of a taste of, you know, still a difference between Emily and Mindy? And how did you feel about, because I read a, a certain article that said, listen, Mindy should have been the main character of this show. Did you Probably. feel like as a, as, a, as a viewer that Mindy, you know, at this point you're, you're more wanting to hear more about Mindy or are you still staying with Emily and kind of this story of, of, of Emily's adventures? Girl, yes. I want to know more about Mindy by a lot. <laughs> and um, I don't know, shade, no shade, I don't care. I wanted to know more about Mindy at this point. So um, again, especially because the way they set it up when you first meet her, even in that first interaction, she's just like, oh yeah, that's, you know, I'm from I'm from Shanghai, but that's a long story. But my mom's Korean, and that's a long story. It's like yeah, I, wa- I want I want this I want these stories, please. <laughs> Thank you. So Mindy spinoff, please, is what is what it sounds like we're requesting. Horse season two. I don't know. Again, I'm only episode uh, one through five so far. So. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, so at dinner, Emily, her steak isn't cooked enough for her taste. She wants it well done, and. Uh, going back to the whole idea of that American arrogance in the way, in my opinion, that she goes about her complaints makes the scene a little unbearable, right? She's like, well, I'll teach the French something about customer service. It's like, ma'am, as Mindy said, you're going to change a whole culture. 
off of yeah. one steak. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, it's guess who the chef is? It's Gabriel. It's, yeah. it's Gabrielle, rather, her 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 sexy neighbor mm-hmm. who she keeps accidentally coming to his apartment and and immediately she changes her tune. So next scene, Emily is anticipating her boyfriend's arrival in Paris. She's enjoying different foods. At this point, Delora, her Instagram followers have exploded to over 5,000. But on a call with her boyfriend, Doug, he informs her that although he planned to come, he doesn't feel he'd have enough to do while she's working. He doesn't know how to do long distance. He likes their life in Chicago. He thinks she should come home. Wow, is what I put in quotes. Uh, he's basic like give me a freaking break i'm sorry sir why do i need to hold your hand you are a grown-ass man if i'm sorry sir i'm sorry sir you want me to do what you want me to come home remember in normal people we said why can't people do long distance it was literally gonna be a year max and you're telling me that you could not put yourself on a plane even once you didn't even try for me for me the person and that I'm you, supposed you to be engaged to be engaged with you <sighs> it's insane i mean real talk when i was in paris for work david came and guess what he walked the streets of paris by himself and london because i went to london too because he's a grown man and he mm. knows how to take care of himself mm. in another i mean is it intimidating? Yes, because he doesn't know the language, right? But where's that American resiliency, right? That the the exploratory side of our culture. I mean, it was just it was weak as far as I I'm concerned. That excuse. It was very disappointing, especially because again, it's been set up now now by Emily that they the seriousness of the relationship seemed. That, it, that there would have been more effort, right? Like they they do break up in the scene. She says she's done waiting for him, but I just wrote, like, it just seems so abrupt for the I, seriousness. I actually saw, I saw, I saw it coming from a mile away though. Well, um, to the point of the show, it seems yeah. like she has so many little, she seemed like she has so many dicks coming at her, excuse me, ah! um, that it would be hard for me to fathom that we're not gonna, we're not gonna sample. So Indulge that's where my some head of them. was. Indulge where my head was. some of them, because yeah. Antoine, you know anyway oh yeah oh yeah so so <laughs> you don't really see emily shedding any tears but the weather seems to indicate her mood is raining in the next scene uh the things she, you love about rom- rom-coms of exactly course. gotta gotta progress on one well this too shall pass emily so back at work the next day she realizes she's starting to work on the vagin product she's been given she realizes that vagina in french is masculine when researching for the product that she was assigned when she goes and asks sylvie why sylvie says and i quote maybe because it's something a woman owns and a man possesses (laughs) honey this does not sit well with emily who then ends up creating a viral instagram post the vagina is not male how did you feel about this delora Wow, I, I loved it. I loved it. I actually didn't know that for vagina, but I wasn't learning vagina in high school in French. <laughs> but <laughs> there, that was one thing True. that was always difficult for me, the whole like male, female, you know, situation yes. of that language. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the assignment of gender. 
Yeah. And so it was, um, which is why this episode is titled the way that it's titled is because of this this debate. But again, I, again, Dan Starr, he loves going for shock value every once in a while. And this is definitely it. Um, So I, um, I loved it. And apparently this, uh, tweet goes viral. So I know you want to talk to that. Yeah, so that's why I was mentioning that that the the post that she creates um, goes viral. So um, much so that I, I was trying to get to the point where First Lady of France, yes, I, have Wong, it, I have it written in that First Lady of France, uh, Brigitte Macron, retweets mm-hmm. her. It's interesting because for those who don't aren't familiar, her backstory is that she's 24 years older than her husband. She sure is. And was his former teacher, right? Absolutely. So so, so the scandalous nature potentially of this. It's very sexy. Yeah, it's like it makes a lot of sense that they would have that be the case. Um, before we got Granted, to that. I wouldn't I would, want that for my son. I don't have a son, but you know, it, it speaks to the culture, right? What we were absolutely. speaking earlier with the, the wives and the mistress and not not being afraid to be with someone older than you too absolutely and actually um, there's wisdom in that men you don't always have to go younger you can go older sometimes i mean clearly the the president of france has no has no <laughs> issues whatsoever with uh with a woman with a little bit of experience um before we got to that i was just going to mention that um mr broussard is is gonna now leave the company um, due to that sale. So they're having like their last meal. And that's when that news really breaks, right? Because mm-hmm. they're talking about Emily. Yet again, Sylvie's the one who seems like she's kind of against Emily. But this this retweet by Bridget Macron is sent to him by the client who is thrilled, mm-hmm. is thrilled by this. Because just imagine the publicity that he would, that this client would have gotten off of something like that. I mean, that would have been absolutely huge. I um, always find it interesting because his character's... Um, these women characters always, you know, do things um, out of the norm that traditionally people would panic, but it always works out, right? Mm-hmm. Like, always. whereas television you magic. Know, yes, whereas it's like someone would have gotten fired from that more, you know, depending on how people would react to it. So, I mean, it was definitely a gamble. It was definitely a gamble on her part. And um, I was just going to speak to you right before that to the fact that you know, Emily had went and met up with Mindy and that was the first time we kind of saw her uh, expressing any form of real doubt. Like, I think she kind of yet again put in a move reference saying, oh, I feel like Alice through the looking glass and kind of feeling mm-hmm. out of place. So this was kind of uh, a win for Emily and that not only was it a win for with her coworkers, but it, I think it helped to solidify her um, feelings and thoughts about why she came there because she had started to kind of doubt if she should stay and why she should be there. Um, but you know, at this point, the client is thrilled. Emily walks by, she's invited to the conversation. The episode ends basically with a cheers to Emily as they call the, as they call her their own vagajon, which we saw earlier translates to young vagina. And again, I thought that was so strange. I wrote how strange, but okay. Ageism yet again in the struggle with Sylvie. Cause why is she being referred to as the young vagina? Right? Like mm-hmm. just so, so weird. So moving on to episode three titled sexy or sexist Mm. uh this yet again starts with emily running but this time she's interrupted by a call from her boss madeline in in america she tells emily she's going to send the paris office their chicago 
corporate commandments to give mm. them an idea of their best practices. I just kind of wrote down this to continue to be a note to cultural differences, not mm. only in the fact that Madeline feels comfortable sending over corporate commandments, but also uh, behind her, you see that a man is peeing in a public urinal. <laughs> you see as she's going on her run continuously that there's women smoking instead of working out, smoking outside of a spinning class. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So next scene, Emily shower breaks. Gabrielle, of course, comes to her rescue, helps her with translating to the apartment landlord who really mentions that Emily has been nothing but an issue since she's been there. And she unfortunately has there, to use... He's always there at the most random but necessary times. He's always there when you need him, guys. <laughs> TV magic at his finest as always. She ends up having to use the bidet to wash out her hair. That was uncomfortable for, for me. Bummer. It was... Ugh. So for anyone who is, just does not know, the bidet is in the toilet. It is mm -hmm. what... Europeans and, and some Americans at this point who have bad path toilets with bidets used to clean their their privates mm -hmm. after they use the bathroom. So have imagine imagine having to wash your hair in that on in the one. toilet. It just mm -hmm. imagine washing your hair in the toilet. Yes. So and it's next, cold. <laughs> Lord Jesus. That's a good point. <laughs> that's a very good point. There's no there's no hot function on the bidet. Um the next thing we see Emily in her French class that she has been supposedly taking. One thing that I loved in this episode was that at the end of class, Emily tries to basically bond with her teacher and her. ask her teacher to go for a drink. And she says, oh yeah, no problem. I charge 50 euros an hour outside of class though. And I just wrote down that's too funny and true of trying to make random friends when you move somewhere new. Well, I thought it was hilarious because it's obvious that teacher has gotten this proposition many 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 of times and she That's was just like honey i'm point. on the clock my time is precious <laughs> so if you really want to hang you know drop the 50 it's gonna cost you it's, it's gonna, gonna cost, cost you. you cash up the, the euros please thank you yeah i just being that i have moved from my hometown to somewhere new i'm just like listen i've definitely been one of those people who befriend the people who I engage with and you just never know they're like thinking of you as like oh that's cute you know you want to hang out like I have my friends I have my family I don't I don't I don't do this but if oh you that's so someone, funny I love it yeah, yeah. I don't think it I've was done very, that. very true for I, me well, experience. I uh I don't think I've done that I think I you know that's part of the reason why I when when I was pursuing my master's I wanted to do in class because I thought it would expose me to people who lived in the area. Ding, ding, ding. It did. Listen, you met so, two of your besties. Exactly. So <laughs> um, I think that's how I did it, like through like organizations or, you know, education that way. I mean, I know I did, I did become close with some of my coworkers that I don't think I will ever put that much effort in befriending a coworker again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, no, no, I love them, but you know, you, you get, you, you, you just get some lessons learned like do you need to be this close to everyone you work with no yeah and again don't. i think it's only a product of you move somewhere new you don't know anybody right because like yes. in my hometown i don't i was not necessarily friends like yes. close friends with colors i already have my friend group i already have my family when you move somewhere new you have no social circle and loneliness is very palpable yes. when you move to a totally new environment, let alone a new country. Mm -hmm. So I can only imagine. But let's keep it 1,000. Emily has no problems making new friends here. 
clearly she, <laughs> she, you know, she's doing just fine. But, um, you know, we, she gets back to the office that day. Luke greets her with those lovely corporate commitments. He literally says, you would like to destroy our French soul before he storms <laughs> off. You know, we were at this point where we thought Emily was starting to, you know, her co starting to like her, accept her. This is definitely a setback. I mean, Nobody's approving. When you're from headquarters, you really don't make friends, right? Like It's almost like she's HR. It's yes. almost like this is a very much an HR move. And Absolutely. That was, that was unfortunate for her social life. But um, we see Sylvie, Julian, and Emily head to a commercial shoot for the perfume Delore, where we already know that she's been getting involved with. She, you know, that's how she met Antoine, the client, all of that we spoke to earlier, um, who they end up meeting with. And Emily is just planning to come to this to grab social for content, but she ends up disapproving of the shoot and uh, messaging as the model strips nude in front of her and has to kind of walk past some men. Um, that's where the title falls in, Sexy or Sexist, because Antoine says, oh, it's her dream to be admired and desired by men. And Emily's saying, well, but it's the male gaze. So Ashley, I have a question for you. Absolutely. Um, is being naked in front of men a, fan a fantasy of yours? It depends on what setting we're talking about, right? Like, I think in this context, absolutely not. I think in this context, to her point, this is not something that I would see and I would think would be appropriate. But again, I am an American. So <laughs> in this, yes. for, from this point of view, me and Emily were seeing eye to eye like there's yes. no there's no other thing in my mind when I saw this that I was like oh this is cool I was like this is no like who why why did you come up with this and why has no one do you not have any females on staff that either agree or again is it just a French thing so and this is definitely where Sylvie's relationship with him to me clouded the judgment on this photo shoot because I know no woman whose desire is to be butt booty naked walking in front of men. That is such a man's, such Point a man's view. idea of what women want. Like what? No, thank and, you. And again, be, again, I wasn't sure. So we eventually get to the point that it, Sylvie calls herself. She says, I'm a woman, not a feminist when she's kind mm. of siding with Antoine. And I was like, again, is this, is that, is that because of her relationship with Antoine or is that a French thing? So, so I'm sorry, go ahead. And I was going to say, um, it's such a man's thing. Cause it's very simplistic because men are visual and women. Right. And obviously I'm gener generally speaking, but men are are visual people whereas women appreciate touch and words like he would have been better off saying something more romantic than you know and and having that be what a woman wants in her dream versus walking down naked in some in some heels like come on sir no thank you in the middle of the city like it's not even like we're on a closed shoot we are on the streets of paris and he literally says there's no bigger compliment than desire that is his thoughts and can i say um kudos to the to the model because she did the, her <laughs> she did the thing okay <laughs> she did she looked great but it's interesting too that antoine to his point again about caring or at least seemingly caring what emily says shuts down the whole shoot 
and sits and sips wine to hear what she has to say about why American women won't respond to this. This is our first mention of kind of the Me Too movement, which mm-hmm. I guess in Paris was called or in France is called Out Your Pig, uh, as Sylvie mm-hmm. mentions. But again, Sylvie does not seem to have those issues. Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 it, it, to your point, could have to do with the fact that Sylvie is dating Antoine has been possibly in a relationship with him for a very long time but when when they get back to the office you know she basically says that she doesn't take on such a simplistic view of men and women she said that's very American Mm. so again as American women I was just wondering how do we feel and does would this translate for any American women possibly I mean I don't think that we are so um alike that there wouldn't be someone in america who would not have a problem with this but i think if you put this out the general tone and pulse would be um problematic ashley do you know who jonathan vanessa is from i do not queer eye I do not. so he's in the new iteration of queer eye and he does the hair and he's in this uber eats commercial with simone sanders and um, he's queer. I think he's non-binary. And there, <laughs> there are groups that are in a uproar over the fact that he and she are wearing leotards and tumbling in a gymna- gymnastic gym because of, uh, you know, his his gayness you know and is jonathan with the longer hair yes okay yes. then i absolutely know who you're talking about <laughs> yeah so if people are freaking out over that mm-hmm. they would absolutely freak out right. over a butt-ass naked woman walking down the street no no right. now if that was french i would probably say oh yeah that's probably a sexy commercial over here where are they gonna show that at HBO like no (laughs) so again that's why I was wondering like you know again I think they consult and and, and why didn't these conversations happen before all the money and time went into this shoot I think to that point again this was one of the times that I did think that Emily's voice was necessary and important um because I do think that again whether or not it was going to translate in France while there would be some American women who would see no problem with this whatsoever it would be very tone deaf to release something like this and add like this in America. Um, and when we get back to, when we get back to, to the office, Emily goes to her desk and there's a, a dick drawn on the copy of those corporate commandments uh, that Emily decided to give to the office, which really sets her off. Uh, she decides she's going to go to lunch with wine uh, mm-hmm. and, and meets up with, with Mindy yet again, who's like, Emily, listen, you're, you know, you've been going through a lot, whatever. I'm going to throw you a dinner party back at the office. Antoine comes in and this finished perfume spot is done. Emily says, it doesn't even make sense. Julius Common says, it's a perfume commercial. It's not supposed to make sense. I wrote down, so true. (laughs) Absolutely. Make me a perfume commercial that makes sense. The first commercial that came to mind was freaking Julia Roberts with like the the glittery handcuffs or something she took off just to go to a party girl I keep I thinking mean, of that shirt uh Charlize Theron yes. the, the Dior the yep. I'm like yep. none that of was them ever two. make sense yep yep exactly <laughs> but but as a part of this to our point about kind of like high fashion section, Ashley you know to each their own in that case this case a little bit different <laughs> 
uh, to our point earlier about, you know, the, the general feeling of America, Emily does have an idea, which is put the commercial on Twitter with a poll to determine if this spot is indeed sexy or sexist. Get a conversation going, let the world decide. Right, and it's controversial enough to where a lot of people would chime in. It was brilliant, of course, right? Of course, because all of Emily's ideas are golden. Always. She's a damn golden child around here. She is. So so Emily's still trying to become friends with people. It invites Sylvie to this dinner party that Minnie's going to throw her. She tells Emily point blank, listen, we may be coworkers, we may work together, but we will never be friends. Never. You didn't bother to learn the language. You treat the city like an amusement park. And eventually you will go back home. I actually put that in my notes. I was like, Sylvie finally told her. I mean, I, I actually was very very happy for this read personally because i think again i haven't warmed up to emily at this point (laughs) and that's and and i thought these were all facts i mean you didn't even concern yourself to learn about the culture or language and when she said you you use the city as an amusement park i was just like yo yo i was like take 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 she's a taker (laughs) I, mean, I don't know. I feel bad. Maybe I should not have re- watched this show before the election because I was just already <laughs> in my feelings, up. right? Fired like- up. <laughs> but no, I think that everything that you're saying is valid to the perspective that a lot of people possibly had. Again, I think that's why this show, it, there's another layer of controversy to this show, which is to your point that Emily is very oblivious and arrogant and to her point ignorant about this culture that she has decided to go and become a part of and 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 I, and I also would like to clarify I am not saying that she should not be true to herself I am not saying that you know she can't bring herself to the workplace because obviously she did in a in a meaningful way when it came to this um particular commercial what I am saying is Put some respect on the French people's name. You are mm. in their city. You're in you their country. In their town, mm-hmm. their country. The the bottom line thing you could do is at least attempt to seem interested. Okay. Mm-hmm. That that is where I'm coming from. And she had no, no iota <laughs> to do that. And that's where I was just deeply bothered by that. And you are fully entitled to your opinions. Nobody is taking that from you, baby. Nobody. Thank you, Ashley. Of course. But, you know, yet again, Emily, Emily is taking this rejection in stride. She seems undeterred. She said, listen, I'm still going to send you that address anyway. So at the party, Emily goes to, she knows no one except Mindy. And no Hmm. one seems to really care that Emily is there. But she does meet a cute boy. She Mm -hmm. leaves the party with him learning French as they converse. But with everything that has happened thus far in the office, certain levels of inappropriateness, she seemingly gets offended and wants to go home when he says that he likes American pussy. <laughs> Point blank. I, I was like, I knew he was funky. I put that in my notes. Like, I felt it coming. He wasn't the one. 
point blank period though but is this a moment like i feel like there were a lot of other moments to be offended by so i just wonder why this is suddenly the moment you're offended is it the blatantness of the word pussy like yeah. i was just a little i just i just wanted a little bit more yeah i was just like why now you know yes. there's been there's been many moments throughout the show so far i was like uh that that's was questionable true. that was offended. that was unprofessional but yeah. pussy that's where we draw the line got it okay <laughs> uh anyway anyway she, she yeah True. you know what i'm saying like you know okay she ends up leaving this 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 little scenario she goes into gabrielle's restaurant for a drink and chat tells him mm -hmm. she spent her entire life wanting to be liked and is giving mm. up trying mm. and he says to her i like you so yet mm. again we're getting this 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 interaction with Gabrielle, where he seemed me to be a comfort and mm -hmm. a, a bridge for her of someone just like Mindy, who she can relate to and kind of depend on. So Emily picks up a cake of a penis and gives it to Luke and Julian at the office for that mm -hmm. earlier pick on those commandments. She says the line made famous by Marie Antoinette, let them eat cake. I appreciate this moment. And that she has some ovaries cultural. on her. And that she had a little bit of culture in that at least she knew a famous line that was said by a famous figure in France, right? Mm -hmm. It's supposed to show a little mm -hmm. bit of a effort. But at the same time, again, you're not offended enough or giving coworkers a penis cake is not offensive enough, but saying pussy is. Anyway, I'm, I'm, I just keep harping on that in my mind a little bit. Just keep harping on that a little bit because that's just a slightly, when you talk about sexy or sexist, why is it we, we say penis so freely, but pussy is a problem. Anyway, mm -hmm. free to pussy. Anyway, uh, the episode <laughs> ends, the episode ends with Emily going to her desk and on her desk, Delora, is a box from La Perla, an infamous exactly lingerie I was like, okay. And a note from, from Antoine that says i you know basically you know <laughs> this is for you boo it's you know low flirt low flirty no i have in parentheses i have no words and how inappropriate but she does claim that it's from a friend when sylvie comes by and asks her and that's how we close out episode three i'm i'm appreciative that she's not an idiot one and i just pretty much put i was like mm, perfume man wants her <laughs> I mean, uh, what <laughs> you get some lingerie on your desk, like, bro, you didn't even try to figure out my home address. You sent that right to the office and said, "This is this is cool. This is appropriate." I I, I was blown away, blown away, because again, I I feel like with with her basicness, I feel like there's a level of um, naivetes towards the French people and their culture too, which was offensive because i'm just like oh, this seems very like oh all sec oh you know french people are sexual and all french people are this and you know yeah basic aspects of their culture that i felt like and i was just like oh they're really playing up this uh sex french, sex, this, sex yeah yeah but all i was like okay it. Perla. i was i got excited i was like oh what she get <laughs> I mean, it was cute, though. Not gonna it lie. Was. It was some cute little lingerie. Um, so we move on to episode four. A kiss is just a kiss. This is the first episode I made note that Emily's not running uh, to start mm. it. She literally mm. has stopped to smell the roses, the roses, which I think is supposed to be a symbol of her progression mm. in terms of, you know, 
not only her development, but also trying to stop and appreciate more of the French culture. Um, but yet again, we see there are some language barriers. She tries to talk to kind of the owner of the rose shop. And mm-hmm. this is where we meet Kami, um, who walks up so helpful, so sweet. She yet again knows English, so that's very helpful, obviously, for Emily. Um, She says she learned it from TV, um, gives Emily advice, kind of on sites to see things to do, and invites her to an art gallery opening that night. I I want to say really quick. Yeah. I was obsessed with these flowers, by the way. (laughs) Those pink roses? Gorgeous. Gorgeous. I actually put it it down. I was like, roses? Gorge. Yeah, they were, and they matched her outfit, right? That yes, was one perfect. of the main points. Chef's yeah. kiss for sure. Yes, and and to your kiss, Emily accidentally kisses Kami on the lips when she's leaving. Yes, but Kami doesn't seem to mind. So at first, I was wondering where is this going? Like, like is are she we, a lesbian? Exactly, and is yeah. are we going to have a romance between the two of them? I wasn't sure yet. And also, as a part of this, uh, Emily takes a, a a picture with those beautiful roses, and she's mm-hmm. now at over ten thousand instagram followers wow with these basic posts um back at her never happened would never happen girl you tell me you don't have no select nothing that's endorsed you yet nothing that pops you off and puts you on the map yet but you're at ten thousand followers i don't even search oh who's in paris (laughs) let me let me follow her absolutely not again it seems very television magic so back at her apartment, she suddenly is getting packages from home. Uh, Gabrielle, yet again, is her knight in shining armor, helps her with these heavy packages, takes them to her apartment. She clearly must really love peanut butter. This woman had peanut butter shipped all the way to freaking France. <laughs> she, this is the, the, the first time we've seen mention of her ex in a while. She's saying, oh, she can live without him after she pulls out a picture, but she mm-hmm. can't live without this damn peanut butter. Um, I mean, in a uh, comfort food, you know it, it yeah, is but, comforting but 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 i don't know anyone who loves peanut butter quite that much but i'm not i mean teach your own only gym rats really <laughs> for, 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 i'm about to say for, for why for why Protein. um got it's it clean. got it but because her because her peanut butter is messed up yet again we see a little you know, moment with Gabrielle. He fixes her an omelet at his apartment. Again, he's a chef, so I'm sure that omelet was banging. Bomb. Um, and they talk about that lingerie gift from Antoine, and we kind of figure out that what Emily's feelings were about it, which was, you know, it's, it's uncomfortable. She tells him why that situation is really messy. Yeah. Um, and also, I also thought it was a little weird that that Gabrielle doesn't wash his pans. <laughs> he's a oh, chef. Oh, I don't. He's a chef. You don't chef. wash cat. You don't watch. Um um iron skillets so is that the only reason why because of iron oh i don't know but cast it's iron? It, it, cast iron thank you um yeah. yeah you still clean it it's just yeah. not washed with soap and water okay because when That's you made the, the mission about let's let it marinate i was like sir see you're this is speaking to the fact that i'm not a cook because i was like um how does that work like are we- oh girl yes help me understand you you know like with the cast iron you you clean it with uh oil and salt and wipe it off wow okay i mean so i knew that to to, to, i'm not a complete idiot i did know that cast iron skill is you're supposed to clean differently Mm -hmm. but i just didn't i don't even think it resonated in that moment that was why he just made it seem as if like you know we don't clean our pans here i'm like sir what do you say i don't know if that's a we thing but it could be a chef thing for sure Okay. Well, and I'm sure it's not for any old pan either. I'm sure it's a certain type of 
something. That's why I don't ever want to go necessarily in the back of my favorite restaurants because I don't need to know. I don't need to know some of these things. <laughs> I may never eat at certain places. So you don't um, eat at potlucks then? Oh, hell no, I don't eat at potlucks. Oh, sorry, coworkers, but y'all know I don't eat off at just anybody's food. I don't know what, how y'all do anything at y'all homes. I don't know who lets pets up on their countertops. We don't. Nope, we sure don't. We sure do not. Um, but back at the office, moving on, Sylvie and Antoine, Delora are arguing loudly right? Mm. Julian informs Emily as she comes in that the combo is centered on Sylvie saying Antoine doesn't appreciate her and him threatening mm-hmm. to meet with other agencies. Again, is this the love dynamic or is this about business? We don't right. know. Right. I'm Emily, sure it's love, but you know, you use the business as a pawn. Yeah. And it's messy. Everything's messy. Very. When you're fucking a client. So Emily feels... <laughs> Emily feels, because she's very Emily, that she needs to go interrupt this exchange and fix the situation because she says it's going to look bad on her as kind of the new arrival if they lose, you know, a, a oh, this piece of client. business. Yeah, they I lose guess a piece so. of business. I didn't see that. I didn't pick that up right away because I'm just like, okay, what makes her think she can do anything about this? You yeah. know? It's again, is it arrogance or is it, is it, is it calculating? Is it smart? But she mm-hmm. does use, she does come in. She does help the situation by mentioning. So when Kami, when she mentioned earlier that there was someone she, that she could meet uh, a hotel group owner, Emily somehow forms that in her head immediately and says, Oh, you know, this, this hotel, I'm going to meet this hotel group owner, Randy Zimmer. Yeah. And um, basically he, you, you can create a signature fragrance for his hotels. So again, it's yet another brilliant idea that Emily comes up with on the spot. Um, she gives Sylvie credit for it. it also gives her those beautiful roses that you love Delora mm-hmm. but after the meeting it does help Antoine but after the meeting Sylvie is not happy she tosses the roses back on her desk mm-hmm. she asks yet again about that lingerie which now Emily's claiming is from Gabrielle A friend. So, so Emily again is still trying with the relationship with Sylvie but you know at this point it's, it's, she's, not, she's not making much headway and can we talk really quick about this idea? Like, have you been to a hotel where you're like, oh, this is their signature There's a signature scent. fragrance. Yeah. This is I so random. I have, but I can't say that I thought it was a bad idea. Like, I it's, thought about it as yeah. I do really love, like, I'm, I'm very much a, a sense of smell person. Mm-hmm. So if I were to go to a hotel that had a signature fragrance, in my mind, that would be yeah. pretty dope. Especially well, if it's something I love. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I told you this or you saw my social media. I have always been on uh, the search for the perfect pillow. Oh, okay. And I just have the hardest time with pillows. And I do not have a particularly large head. And I say that with confidence, okay? (laughs) But I just could not find a pillow that worked. And what I did was I bought a pillow from... Um, a hotel that I thoroughly enjoy. I bought a Weston, a Weston oh. pillow. They have this brand, um, this this label called Heavenly. So they have a Heavenly pillow. They even have Heavenly mattresses. So you can buy whole bed sheets, pillows under this uh, label. But the product is so amazing, and I bought it like two months ago and I have been very happy ever since like I was so bad with pillows like I needed three pillows to go to sleep like that's oh wow what I needed and with my heavenly pillow I'm very happy so 
I, I guess I'm just not familiar with that concept and I appreciate the ingenuity of it. I just, mm-hmm. I just thought hmm, this is really random, but okay. <laughs> well, again, to your point, I think when Emily pitched it, it was supposed to be kind of out of the box, which, um, you know, again, Emily has these gems, whether or not us as audience members think it's a good idea, I think is very valid discussion. This one I thought was interesting more so than when we get to the bed idea in particular, which we'll talk about on episode five. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just like, again, I think that would be pretty dope because when I come into my house, I know how I want my house to smell. I'm very intentional on that. Mm-hmm. So if I walk into a hotel and there's a certain scent and I love that scent, would that make me, intri- oh, I would love it. You know what I mean? It would be, mm-hmm. it would be, it would be a luxury or a signature of that place. So yeah, I, I think, I think that, um, that's your point. It is interesting to think about some of these ideas she pitches though, but just moving on. Um, so Luke and Julian at this point, take Emily to lunch, because again, it seems like it seems like Emily, it seems like Emily is potentially in the middle of the situation with, with uh, Antoine and Sylvie. And so they're basically saying like, Emily, listen, you're the one who's creating drama. Luke I, said, actually, I actually labeled this um, the know your place lunch. Yeah. <laughs> like Luke, because Luke says to her, Luke says to her, it's one thing to cheat on your wife with your mistress. It's another thing to cheat on your mistress with a young American. Now, like, here's the deal. Did they know the lingerie, lingerie came from They're him? assuming, like, the, in this conversation, they're kind of saying, like, you know, regardless of who you're saying this is from, if this does so happen to be from Antoine, like, yeah. be careful. Be Like, that's the whole careful. sentiment. Do what not Cardi said, be Antoine. careful, okay? Exactly. <laughs> and they also give her a little more familiarity with how Antoine and Sylvie's relationship started, which is that he pursued her, right? Yes. So, you know, to, to their point, they're just trying to warn Emily at this point, like, this situation is messy. Not that Emily doesn't know that, but that you need to tread lightly. So I mean, when she inserted herself in that argument, I really didn't feel comfortable with that, considering we all know where, where the panties are from. You know what I mean? So I, for me, it's not even just that. It's about knowing your role. Because again, Emily, you're not coming in. You're not the head honcho. You're coming in because you were a part of the acquisition. You're coming in to supposed to give this American perspective, but Sylvia is still your boss. So it's almost, exactly. it, was, it could be considered disrespectful for you to yes. break in in the midst of a, of a meeting that she's having. And that's what my thoughts were, regardless of their personal relationship or not, or mm-hmm. not. Nah. <laughs> mm-hmm. But again, there's been so many inappropriate moments in this show on a professional level so far that, you know what I mean? If you're, if you're, if your boss has nicknamed you a hick and is, is talking shit, then I guess it's all fair game. You know what uh. I mean? It seemed like it may all be fair game. We ain't keeping it that professional. That's very true. Yeah. So the next scene, Emily and Mindy go to this art gallery event of Kamiis. Uh, Mindy encourages Emily to have that affair with Antoine. She says, you haven't done Paris right until you've had one wildly inappropriate <laughs> affair. Tells Emily she'll never get Sylvie to like her. So, you know, why keep trying? I think there is... Um... I do think there is something about our culture. Is it American culture when it comes to women to, you know, wanting to be liked? But I mean, you're there to work. You're not there to make friends. If you happen to make friends, then so be it. But I don't, I I thought that was some good advice personally. I mean, again, she, Emily earlier mentioned that her goal in life was to have people like her. So it's, it's a, it's a part of her nature 
um, that seems like she is on this mission uh, for, for better or for worse. Uh, for her sake and her sanity, I agree. I'm not a type of person where, you know, if it doesn't seem like it's working out that I would keep trying. I think you can maintain a good professional relationship, but we don't have to be friends. Sylvia is your boss. You're there to do your job. Let's get this job done. And it's so, another thing too, uh, to, uh, like I was mentioning previously, like, you know, you have to earn your spot. You kind of can't just waltz in and expect mm -hmm to be completely adored. I just think right. that's an unrealistic expectation. Right, I would agree. Um, so uh, at the party, uh, Emily does get to meet Randy Zimmer. He, she kind of sells him a little bit. He needs a little more convincing. So the next day he meets with Antoine, and the Savoir staff to kind of mm -hmm. talk about things that leads to Emily um, kind of having to set up a dinner um, because he is going to leave the next day. Randy Zimmer is needs just slightly more convincing. I just um, had a high moment. Okay. Sylvie is definitely giving me Devil Wears Prada. Absolutely. Shout Boots. out to Johnny who loves this show because it reminded him of the Devil Wears Prada off jump. This is not a show I would have ever thought Johnny, wow. my black male best friend, Come would through, have ever sir. enjoyed. But he did. And I agree with you. She was obviously not as bad as Miranda Priestly, but, no. but she, she had that coldness. She, I mean, because in this particular situation with having her book this dinner this was like the equivalent of um something the that, harry potter books yes adventure. Mm -hmm. that is yes that is the i'm visualizing that scene right now she she she's like i want my kids on the on the train or plane or whatever with these unreleased it was an books. unpublished harry potter manuscript from the <sighs> devil wears prada an impossible task yeah absolutely but thankfully for Emily, the stakes um, did not feel quite as, as high, high as they did in the Devil Wars Prada, <laughs> but I thought that's a beautiful comparison, Delora. Thank you for yes. that, for sure. Because, yeah, Thank she you. sends her an impossible task to get a reservation in a hotel. I mean, not a hotel, a restaurant that nobody is able to. But it, it, she, she, it plays out in her favor, right? Because while she accidentally gets the dates wrong, she's able to maneuver her Again, relationship with Gabrielle. Very, very basic by the way she didn't she felt to realize that in europe they do the dates opposite opposite than we do you mm -hmm. know and, and she blames it on the restaurant she says you did this you did no, this on purpose nope um That's but you, again it, it works out in her favor <laughs> that gabrielle saves the day he has 30 minutes left before his restaurant closes and he's able to take them for a table and the food is absolutely amazing and you know marketing is is one hell of a thing because the way they were able to spin it oh well we'll have another we'll eat here in november but today we get a chance to eat um up and rising chef and you know try his me it was very like uh, marketing is something else i can say that for sure i definitely wrote down that emily spin in this moment was brilliant right yeah. because she's one of those people who was able to not just turn lemons into lemonade but she makes you feel good about it she said i have good news and i have great news right like it's yeah. not like oh sorry which i think is a a, a valuable lesson for most people really yeah. is you know it's not just her optimism but it's just really figuring out the best ways to maneuver not necessarily ideal situations so because this is one time i, I really enjoyed her positivity 
I'm definitely a a, a realist. Mm-hmm. So, you would have broken down like, listen, sorry. Like, I believe in giving bad news because I'm just like, just rip the Band-Aid and just tell me the truth. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. So it, it, to me in that moment, I did appreciate it because I'm like, oh, you know, I can learn from something like this. Like just, Absolutely. just try to see this. I mean, I am overall a very positive person, but you know. Silver lining. Find the silver lining a little bit more often than not. How about that? For sure. For sure. And this is actually because of the fact this works out. This is the first time that we see Sylvie really praising Emily for doing a a good job and even invites her for drinks after dinner. But she encourages her. She's like, you can come with us, but you know, I think you should go back and, 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 deal with your boy uh gabrielle Mm -hmm. which emily decides to do she goes back she kisses him passionately i mean without asking she went out without any any prerequisite that man she comes when when emily uh exits from the from the restaurant she sees sylvie and antoine making out they've been they've been having a little bit of a contentious relationship still up to this point right they had a lover's quarrel yeah and 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 you know (laughs) You even see Sylvie flirting with Randy Zimmer with the client yet again during this to kind of try to make Antoine jealous. But, you know, Mm -hmm. Antoine says when they're kind of talking about closing the deal, he was like, listen, I would never leave you, you know. So (laughs) so that is definitely a part of this a part of this uh, episode. But when when she comes out as well, apart from just seeing Sylvie Antoine, she also runs into Kami. And -hmm. guess what? Kami is there because she's there to see her boyfriend. And guess who her damn boyfriend is? Who is it? Gabrielle. Dun dun dun. Awkward is what I wrote in caps. I was, I was, I was like, oh, (laughs) they're a gorgeous couple. Duh. Yeah. I mean, truly, right? Like, and I think what's so dis, like, disheartening for me in this scene too is like, I ship as we've talked about in previous episodes, relationships hard. So while I was hoping that maybe Gabrielle was going to turn into a valid love interest for Emily, this is at the point where it's like, I'm dead to that in my heart because Kami seems so, she seems so nice and sweet that like like, for you to still try to pursue her man. Yeah. I don't want to give anything away for you to still try to pursue her man at this point in time is messed up in my mind so at this mm-hmm. point it's like oh well that's dead you know well like, sorry. if you think about it where we are with emily's potential lovers they're all taken i mean antoine is tr- double taken like you know yeah but you got his wife that you know she seems cool and open with you know the extramarital situation but who wants to be bothered with their boss's lover <laughs> <laughs> but what I'm saying is his I'm telling you his interaction with Emily is it's it's pretty sexy so um, I mean it's legit it's real yeah yeah so I just feel like who is somebody else gonna show up because at this point every everybody taken everybody yes they are that's all, that's all I got for you. Yes, they are. Again, I don't want to give away too much for you or no! for the listeners. I, that's just how I'm ending episode yes. four. Yes. So let's move on to our last episode in this recap, which is episode five, which is titled Foz Ami, a.k.a. in English, False Friends. Because at this point, we see now that there is a love triangle. No new friends. No new 
Get it, Drake. Get it. So, so this episode uh, starts out immediately with Emily and Mindy, and and Emily is telling Mindy about the fact that Gabrielle has this girlfriend who turns out to be Tommy. Uh, Frenchmen are flirts is basically what Mindy get boiled it down to. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I put in my notes. I thought he was single and into Emily as well because she kind of alludes to the fact that maybe this was all in my head. You know, maybe he was not. Maybe it was oh, all no. me. Maybe it was, oh, no. But to our point, we just said it right. Like he definitely seemed like he was just as into Emily as she was. He into, kissed her back. This, this he kissed he, her he back. He did not stop her and say, "Oh no, I have a girlfriend." This man. This man earlier let this woman use his shower. Yes. He told her earlier, "Bang on my door anytime." Like these are not that subtle for nah. me. Nah. Right? Like, we're, it, it, there's some obviousness. We're, we're not delusional, and we're not overthinking it either. We're not. <laughs> we're not. This is a minute. This is some, this is some sexual, sexual stuff that's primal. We know what we do. <laughs> so, so at this point, Emily's French still hasn't really improved. She accidentally orders a croissant with a side of condoms, which is a very funny very funny moment in this oh, opening yeah. scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and guess and guess who pops up as well? Kami. Yes. Yet again. Uh Mindy. Takes guess what? A she she lives in the neighborhood. She, <laughs> she's going she's going to see her man who yes. uh is, is very hard to wake up in the mornings. Okay. Like I'm just <laughs> I'm like, y'all are laying this on thick. Y'all are laying this on thick. So Mindy takes a picture of Kami and Emily for her IG and now she has doubled her, she is at 20,000 Instagram followers. It's insane. So next scene, Emily scores an invite to exclusive influencer, social media influencer lunch by a cosmetics company that DM'd her. So again, that's why this, this element of social media is so important because mm-hmm. Emily has now become considered an influencer because of her number of followers. So Emily goes to work and tells Julian about the invite who, who questions that influencer title. She's like, I know, right? But he, he also mentions that the company, DeRay Cosmetics, used to be a client, but they don't mm-hmm. speak of it, right? So yes. you're at a quandary and you realize Emily is at a quandary of, should I do this and see what could happen? Right. Can, I do? can I get them back? Because again, yeah. the motive here is if I am able to get them back, you know, she'll be praised for it. It'll be good for the company. Mm-hmm. And that's what she claims she's all about is whatever is best for the client and for the company. She does truly seem passionate about her job, which I do. Yes. I do appreciate from my American perspective. <laughs> um, so she, in the midst of this, also tries to go and get info from Sylvie, who ends up pushing her onto a new client, Hastings Luxury Beds. Mm-hmm. Um, Luke's idea, by the way, of the slogan for this involves the Eiffel Tower sex position. <sighs> I put in my notes, Lord, that he reminds me of Nelson from Boomerang, the movie, the film, and the fact that Nelson always wanted to make the freakiest, nastiest commercials, (laughs) and that Eddie Murphy's character always had to kind of talk him down from those ideas. Full circle moment. Um, Honestly, the first time I learned about this position was from a Shonda Rhimes show, aka Scandal. So I I just thought that was so funny because when he said that, I was like, what, what? Scandal. Um, Olivia was trying to help some socialite who had a release sex tape or something. Um, But anyway, people are very creative. That's all I got to say about that. 
Listen, and again, going back to the point about what is and is not appropriate in the workplace, the fact that yeah. Luke thinks this idea is worthy of a pitch to a client. And he brings it up multiple times. It's yeah, not he even had to a get it one shut off. Down. He had to get yes. it shut down in the actual client meeting. But um, so Emily at this point does decide to go ahead to that influencer event for Duray Cosmetics. And at the event, uh, there were some funny moments, like for instance, she gets because she only has twenty thousand, she gets a little gift bag versus one of the big ones, and a yes. dog, literally a dog, walked in with an owner and had a hundred thousand followers, so got yes. one of the bigger gift bags. It was just funny, funny little commentary. Um, and everyone was so disinterested. Like there was yes. no for someone to be such influencers on um, a social media platform they weren't very social at all. Yeah, and I think that's supposed to speak also generationally, right? That, yeah. you know, because of social media and all that, the disengagement and actual reality is supposed to be of note. Mm -hmm. um, but I also think it's worth note that in this episode, yet again, things seem to work out brilliantly for Emily and that after just one post, she's able mm -hmm. to meet and get the attention of the CMO of the company who she wanted to talk to. In the first calls place. Her, who calls her clever because she took a strawberry off a freaking wall and and talked about smudging lipstick you know what i mean so again it, it did it did make me worked out very well though um how many people in marketing are influencers it made me think about that because she just keeps mm. playing down her account like oh no i'm not an i'm not an influencer i'm just you know i do work for this firm mm -hmm. but you know I, I just I'm curious. I wonder how many people in marketing are truly, you know, into social influencers. Media. Yeah. Well, I think I think they kind of bring that up too and kind of the dynamic between Emily and the CMO who ends up being Olivia and that, you know, Emily's motives are really to bring her back to the agency. But, you know, Olivia kind of makes a point that you know, agencies are overpriced, antiquated. She says influencers are the future of marketing and that she ends up wanting Emily to become a, a brand ambassador for the company. So, you know, I think uh, to your point, I think that's an interesting dynamic that they put forth in the show in that, in that career path, in that field, um, that that seems like that's probably a discussion and that is something that is, you know, considered and thought about, especially mm -hmm. when it comes to probably profit over, you know, everything else. So yeah. if I want to make a profit, is it in my best interest as a company to go with these influencers who may have so much more reach on yeah. IG than I could possibly get in one ad that I'm going to spend hundreds of thousands of potential dollars on. You know what I mean? So, Honestly, when I, you know, I was thinking about that, <laughs> the business side, when she said that, cause I was like, yeah, think about this one lunch and you give people a gag bag and who knows, it's probably a bunch of cheap stuff with your label stuff on it, maybe with a sample or full size, but the reach the reach is immediate and, mm -hmm. and I'm sure um, the turnaround is a lot quicker in terms and of- And it costs them nothing. Like for exactly. that one party, they didn't compared spend to, a dime. Compared to commercials, compared mm -hmm. to, you know, print campaigns like that exist anymore. But, you know, and I'm not throwing shade because I love paper still too. I still get magazines to the house. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just an interesting caveat in the, the nature of kind of business and where certain things are headed for sure. Mm -hmm. um, to move along a little bit, just for the sake of time, um, we do end up where Kami, Gabe, Gabe, Gabrielle, and Emily kind of go out on the night on the town. We do get the sense at the end of the night that, you know, the, the, the chemistry that we thought was there between Emily and Gabrielle 
Danielle was really there. Mm -hmm. um, and that that was not just a figment of Emily's imagination. And um, Emily gets another win at work because with the Hastings account, the, the, the Hastings luxury beds, um, the initial uh, pitch that was presented by Sylvie is not really loved by the client, but Emily puts one out about, you know, shooting in Hastings beds and Instagramable spots around the city mm -hmm. and inviting people to come sleep with us. So yet again, she has this golden idea that a client loves and that basically saves not only um, the, the account, but also Emily's Instagram because Sylvie gets upset that Emily basically gave DeRay Cosmetics promotion for free mm -hmm. and initially tells Emily, shut this account down. How dare you give free publicity to this person but we have paying accounts but i didn't comes, appreciate that though at all because again you wonder is it business or is it personal and it always exactly. seems like with sylvia comes back to a personal issue personal. that she can disguise and we never find out issue. up until this point what was the reason for the you know deterioration of that relationship and i also right. felt like yeah you can you can tell me like hey i don't want you to promote um competitors or former clients on your social media but i didn't i really didn't feel like sylvie had the right to tell emily to shut down her profile i'm like mm -hmm. well Mindy calls it censorship right mindy who she ends up meeting with says it's censorship mm -hmm. so you know to your point it can it wasn't overreach did she have good valid points yes but, you know, that's a dynamic again in the workplace, especially in the age of social media as to how much influence an employer can have over an employee. Mm -hmm. And especially because this is not something Emily did for work purposes. She just in this capacity happened to use it for a, a former client because she decided to go to this party. So, mm -hmm. you know, why should she have to use her personal Instagram account for work purposes? But True. not to say what, what Sylvie said did not make sense, especially from this perspective. It's not a good look. And as a professional, you do have to keep those things in mind. So, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but again, it, it ends up working out in Emily's favor because she goes out on one last hurrah with Mindy in the city. Hastings ends up loving one spot they go to. So she gets to keep her Instagram account. Hooray. Um, and, mm -hmm. and, you know, really gets to, to be an influencer, continue to be influencer with her Emily and Paris account. Um, the episode ends, Delora, with uh, Camille getting invited by Emily to come join her in the shoot and then Gabrielle seeing it on Instagram <laughs> and liking the post and the caption or the hashtag was get in bed with us. Mm -hmm. I have in my notes teasing with love triangle or a threesome. You be the judge. <laughs> I don't think it's that, although I think he likes it very much, very much. <laughs> I um yeah, it's getting really messy at this point because again, the only viable um love connection she has was Gabrielle at one point. But mm -hmm. I don't know how that's gonna how that's gonna untangle. And you know, again, I only watched <laughs> up until this point. So I am looking forward to seeing how the rest of the season's gonna pan out. Um, I do feel like I was able to tolerate Emily a little bit more as the season went on, like she became okay. a little bit more palpable for me, um, but, or palatable. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. It's, um, it's interesting. And I do, I do love Camille. She seems so sweet. Yeah, she is very sweet. So 
this and episode- I love and, and I really quick I, and I just want to say I absolutely love that art installation they went to with Starry the Night. Van Gogh. Mm-hmm. I want to go. I, I would have loved that. That's amazing. It was. It amazing. definitely looked dope. Um, that was episodes one through five. Is just what I was going to mention. And um, you know, we'll we'll do six through ten next week. Uh, I hope you guys have enjoyed the series and give us any feedback you have on your experience thus far with it. Um, to your point, Delora, I definitely feel like you know Emily's journey. As I said from the very beginning, I enjoyed it. Were there points where I wondered or I questioned her, or questioned the scenarios? I never got super, super deep, but, you know, I enjoyed it. So I hope our listeners are enjoying it so far as well. Yes, um, yes, yes. Do you want to move on to your hidden gems for this week? Yes. Yeah, so it's time for hidden gems. So this week, my hidden gems are up first blood of zeus it is an anime uh cartoon series on netflix it just came out last week it's it follows greek mythology which i am obsessed with (laughs) um you know zeus and all the other greek gods and of course there's a demigod that you follow and um it's it's pretty well done i um i consumed it fairly quickly the episodes are anywhere from 25 to 30 minutes and i believe there's about 10 episodes this season so you should check it out and my second hidden gem is Haley williams the front woman of paramore which we spoke on a couple of episodes ago i like to make a correction riot is their second album but it was their first mainstream album like that's when they hit it big um again obsessed with that album my favorite album of all their albums um but she is now solo with her debut album called petals for armor very poetic um i want to highlight two of my favorite songs the first is called roses lotus violet iris very moody very slow absolutely beautiful my daughter loves it she's a toddler i also love my friends or is my friend and uh there's a break in the middle of that song that's amazing here for it and those are my two engines of this week. What are yours, Ashley? All right, mine, because I restarted my HBO subscription on, <laughs> on Amazon, <laughs> are, both, are both ones I watched the HBO. The first being The Vow, which is an HBO documentary on the Nexium cult, which yes. I don't know how much familiarity you have with this before, but I remember just hearing about this because of Allison Mack, who was an actress on Smallville. I remember yes. hearing about it here and there, right? In fact, she was a part of some sex cult, but this really dives deep. Nine episodes of a first season about um, kind of how the cult got started, um, mm-hmm. some key figures that were within it. Um, he has now, the the head guy, Keith Rainier, has been charged or has been sentenced to 120 years in prison. It just um, happened, so it's yeah, very relevant. It, very, very, very uh, current in time. And um, the pros for it for me really were, you know, one of the things I try to take from all these types of shows is I just really feel like 
you know, as crazy as some of these stories can be, I want to know and I want to be aware of the patterns of behavior that people have, especially um, in kind of, you know, sexual abuse situations, because that is what this really comes down to is the fact that he was, um, you know, not only um, sexually abusing children, but also just generally women branding them all oh, sorts of no. craziness. Um, so yeah, he started messing with certain women at, when they were still, you know, young teens. Um, mm -hmm splitting up families, all sorts of stuff. So um, it got really deep. One thing I did not love about it was that we heard a lot of his, we saw a lot of his footage. And I think as the type of person, it seems like he was, I don't want his words to continue to permeate society. Mm -hmm. So that was one thing that bothered me a little bit, but for the point and perspective of the storytellers, I understand why they felt it was important because they wanted us to see through the eyes of his, of how you could get involved in this cult, right? Because that was one of the biggest things was like, when people hear about it, how could you possibly have gone down this path? It is like, listen, there were so many steps before we got to the brand before we got to the slave master dynamic that happened that I think they really exactly the exact the grooming they wanted people to understand this is men and women who got sucked into this cult mm -hmm. right and again it's nine episodes on HBO there's also a um, documentary on uh, stars called seduced with one particular woman Indian Oxenberg who was a part of this whose who mother her mother's journey was a part of the Val HBO documentary so I think it's worth a watch my second is spies in disguise again for levity I've been watching a lot of animated <laughs> films this is a 2009 animated film starring starring Will Smith and Tom mm -hmm. Holland um where, it. yes Will mm -hmm. Smith was a, a secret agent who got turned into a pigeon it was very funny very mm -hmm. cute very light I I've think the messaging it. was lovely mm -hmm. with kind mm -hmm. of very a non-violent angle to it so mm -hmm. you know again I enjoyed it it was very much to my point of bubblegum television I love mm -hmm. an animated film. So, you know, if you want a little levity, check out Spies in Disguise. And those are my two hidden gems for this week. Yay. Thank you all so much for listening to us again this week. If you could follow us on Instagram or Twitter and or Twitter, <laughs> um, we're at Recap and Podcast. Um, feel free to rate, to subscribe, to tell a friend. Um, we would gr greatly, greatly appreciate it. All the things, guys, all the things. Thank you so much, as always, Delora. It's been a pleasure, girl. As always, Ashley, thank you. Let's hope this week goes out on a great note. From your lips to God's ears. <laughs> Amen. All right, guys, see you next time. Bye.